Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, Xbox. I am said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of August 24th, 2023, including... Microsoft has called in Ubisoft, of all companies, to help them get their Activision deal over the finish line. All the latest news from opening night live at Gamescom 2023 is here, so let's talk about it. Xbox 360's online marketplace is officially shutting down, and more. On this day in Xbox history, in the year 2020, three years ago, No Straight Roads released for the Xbox One. This is one of the last notable games, or at least for me, last notable games, to come out before the Series X launched in 2020. This came out in August. Xbox Series X, of course, came out a few months later in November. No Street Roads, I actually haven't gotten past the first 45 minutes of this game yet. This is a, this is a weird one. Kind of, I guess, technically, it's an indie game. It's like an action-adventure cartoony kind of rhythm-based combat game before before Hi-Fi Rush came out. So this is kind of a somewhat similar genre from a time before Hi-Fi Rush. But I don't know. What actually got me into this game was one of the... Uh, it has an original soundtrack that kind of kicks ass. And it came up once on my Spotify, some of the songs from the from the game. I was like, damn, these songs rock. It sounds like sounds like Sonic the Hedgehog music. So I checked out the game and it looks pretty cool. I just still haven't gotten really around to playing this game yet. So I don't have much of a verdict on how the game is but it does seem like uh it's one of those games it's like it has that weird like cross section between like i don't know people who like character platformer slash action adventure type games slash people who maybe are into like sonic and shit it just has that weird kind of crossover fan base of I don't, I don't know i guess i don't really know how to put it it seems to grab the attention of people who like those more cartoony character platformer type games it's, it seems like it has like a lot of it had a lot of buzz when it came out kind of among that circle like in the in sonic community and things like that but uh the game to my knowledge didn't really ever make too big of an impression although it did get kind of mixed reception so maybe that's why there's not too much mainstream buzz on it but yeah i have no real opinion of it other than just damn this game has some really good music but i do plan on one day getting around to this i have it installed on my console i started it once like six months ago i just haven't really properly played it but yeah no street road three years old time is going by fast and with that weird little this day in xbox history out of the way let's uh just welcome you all open up the show to episode 221 of the xbox on podcast now we got a big show for you today because while it's been pretty slow this past month or so today changes all that because we got a couple big stories a huge one regarding the activision blizzard deal uh with with microsoft um that's actually worth talking about and interesting to talk about in addition to that of course today as of the day i'm recording this tuesday the 22nd 
kicks off Gamescom. So open night live just happened, which is the Jeff Keighley Game Awards type show where they have all the big game reveals and game updates and trailers, kind of like your E3 of Gamescom type event, if you will. So we got all that to talk about and a, a bunch of other things that would normally be much bigger stories. It's just we got a lot of news to get to this week. So I'm excited to have kind of a media episode. And yes, you heard that right. It is Tuesday as of the time I'm recording this. So I had to record the show just a little bit earlier than usual. I like to record the show as close to the release as possible as to not miss any news. But I am going out of town this week, so I had to record a little bit early. Uh, so luckily, it kind of lined up with Gamescom. But that that's just that's just out there for, for me to say. If anything big happens throughout Wednesday or early Thursday, the reason why none of that's going to be covered in the show is because I'm not... Uh, on land and anywhere that has internet access. So I will be gone for a little while. Podcast is going to go live normal time, Thursday, 9 a.m. Eastern time, but I do have to record it about 24 hours early, but I think it should work out just fine. Hopefully those aren't famous last words, but uh, with that all said, you guys, let's just jump right in because we got so much to get into. So let's start with our um, notable game releases of the week this week. Again, we're out of we're out of the dry spell. We got two very notable games coming out this week on Xbox. First one being Immortals of Avium, which comes to Series S and X as well as PC on August 22nd. So this Tuesday, the day I'm recording the show, it is officially out. Uh, developed by Ascendant Studios, a new team that's actually comprised of a lot of X Sledgehammer games guys guys who make a lot of the Call of Duty games who are actually currently uh, making this year's Modern Warfare 3. Uh, they're developing the game, as well as it's being published under the EA Originals brand. So EA is publishing it under their kind of like Indies Original label. Uh, but this game looks, this game is very polished, nice looking, AAA style game. Uh, so it's kind of an interesting marriage here between this new studio of veteran talent and EA using their more indie like label to publish the game. But yeah, this is that Doctor Strange looking magic first person shooter Hexen type game that. We've been talking about it on the show for a while. It looks really, really cool. It was supposed to originally come out a couple of weeks ago, and they got a slight delay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would, I'd be all over this game if it weren't for the fact that we're just days away from Starfield. And um, honestly, I'm just trying to be very conservative with my gaming budget at this time. So otherwise, I'd be all over this game. But it will probably have to wait till sometime next year before I get to it. That being said, the game looks damn good, and I think, I think people have kind of. The game has garnered quite a bit of a hype train around it, so to speak, um, in recent months. I feel like there's a lot of a lot of enthusiasm for this game, so I'm really excited to see kind of how it pans out. Although I guess reviews are probably already live. I'm just I don't pay attention to that stuff generally, um, so I'll, I'll have to take a look because I am curious to see what the general read is on this game. So yeah, Immortals of Avium officially out now. Not a great title, but the game looks so cool. So that's out if you like first person sure type games with a with a twist and then another game that comes out this week that looks excellent coming out this Friday August 25th on Xbox Series S X Xbox One and PC Armor Core 4 of uh, sorry Armor Core 6 Fires of Rubicon um, from developer from software yes the guys that do Elden Ring and Dark Souls and all that good stuff and published by their their main publisher they work with Bandai Namco this is another game that looks absolutely badass but i have no i don't know i have no I have no reference for the Armor Core series. I've always known of it, but I've never played one of these games before. Maybe I played one of these once on PS3 at like a demo kiosk. Uh, it was either that or some other kind of like Mech Warrior style game. I don't know, but I, I I've never properly been acquainted with Armor Core. But I gotta say, as someone who loves Transformers and giant robots and just thinks that's like a cool premise, Armor Core kind of does it for me because it just looks like a, an action-packed, crazy, over-the-top robot missile shooting nonsense game. And I like that a lot, but I'm weary of it because even though I know the style of game is very different from other from software type games, 
I'm also aware that From Software is like the publisher that has single-handedly changed the entire games industry's entire gaming consumer mentality of like what a game should be and now everyone wants games to be like gruelingly tough tough but fair because of this publisher this developer and that's that's no that's no slight to them listen they've done a great job making a name for themselves and really innovating in the space but i as much as i respect from software and think they deserve the love and praise they get and that i'm sure their games are excellent i kind of in a, in a different sense resent them a little bit for the influence they've had on the industry because god i, I just I, I feel like I, I can't trust any video game these days. I'm like, every game that looks somewhat interesting to me, I'm like, that game looks cool, but is it going to be like a, a Souls-like? Is it going to have a From Software influence on it? And I know, you know, being a From Software-style game is very different from being a Souls-like game. The developer makes more games than just Souls-like. So I, I, I get that, but I don't know. Just them being behind this game makes me a little bit weary. But I don't know. I'll be curious. Again, curious to see kind of how people receive this game. I feel like this would be a great Game Pass game for me, but from software games never end up on Game Pass, so I wouldn't hold my breath on that one. I don't know. I just I, this is a game I'd really love to try a demo for or something like that, but I really don't want to play. I, I don't want. I don't want to waste. Not waste. Risk spending a full price on a game that I might end up hating or resenting. So I'm a little weary of this one. Although I'm pretty sure there actually was some kind of demo or trial of the game. Maybe that was a pre-order thing. I don't know. Anyway, those are your two big games coming out this week. Both. Very good-looking games, but I feel kind of like a like an unsupportive hater a little bit because I just I'm not I'm not doubling down on any of these. But we're we're getting there. We're getting there. Starfield is very close by. We got some news on Sonic this week. Uh, you know, we got a bunch of other games. Alan Wake Two. My God, Alan Wake Two looks so good. Uh, but we'll save it save it for later on the show. Activision updates. We won't talk about that here because our big news story of the week is Activision update acquisition related. So we'll talk about that in the main news. So skip over that for now and get on over to the mildly amusing stories, updates, corrections, things of that nature. I do want to just kick off this week on this segment and say uh, just be weary if you're like me and you're very excited about Starfield and you don't want to have the game spoiled because you just kind of want to go and blind or as much as possible go in blind just experience the game for yourself be aware that there are many many spoilers for this game out there in the wild right now um, reviewers have the game and i've had the game for about a week now and in addition to that of course you know just there's always like that fucking walmart employer somewhere in like nebraska that somehow got a, a physical copy pulled out from the back room a little early and then went and spoiled everything on reddit and so on and so forth and that kind of snowballs around the internet so if you're just trying to you know be mindful of of Starfield spoiler content and stay away from that. I would just maybe maybe sign off of uh, Twitter or X or whatever the hell we're calling it and uh, and just, you know, save yourself the pain and the heartache of having this game that's been like eight years in the making from being spoiled for, you, for yourself. And uh, so there's that little bit of a a little bit of a disclaimer. And with that said, I'm really excited about this first story of Mile Amusement. Again, in a normal week, this would be a main story, but because we just got so much stuff to talk about, this ended up kind of being kicked to a smaller segment of the show and, and that is that xbox has officially announced that they are releasing xbox series x console wraps so no this is not like a tortilla wrap or a pita wrap or some crap for your xbox but rather it is a way to decorate and stylize your xbox series x console so from vgc these console wraps are going to be released beginning later this year the wraps will come in three varieties starfield Arctic Camo and Mineral Camo. The Starfield wrap, which will release in the US, Canada, and Europe on October 18th, will retail for $50 US, while the Camo variant will release on November 10th for $45 US. So you pay a little $5 premium for that licensed Starfield uh, 
wrap. They said in the announcement, Microsoft Microsoft says, quote, we know gamers want to be able to customize their console to show their support for their favorite games, and we are delivering an option that's more affordable and more sustainable than purchasing a special edition console or a limited edition console. Microsoft senior designer, director Monique Chardy wrote, the wraps are designed specifically for Series X and have custom uh, precision fit. Every detail is taken into consideration to ensure your console performs as, or sorry, performance is preserved. Vents are all clear and small and small feet were added to the bottom of the wraps to ensure that air can flow freely through the console. Uh, made with a solid solid core panels and layered with high-tech fabric finishes, the wraps are folded around your consoles and secured with um, with hook and loop enclosures. The interior and wraps are printed with silicon designs that keep the wrap in place. Uh, the Starfield-inspired wrap reimagines your consoles an onboard aviation module, blah, blah, blah. looks like Starfield, basically. And they go on to talk more and more about them, but we don't really need to talk about that. I, I just want to say... I think these are freaking awesome. I think this is super exciting. I don't know if I would. This is kind of like a like a bittersweet thing. I'm, I'm glad these exist because I know many people will love these and eat these up. But it makes me a little sad because I'm at a point in my life where I want. I don't know. I don't like to like really pimp out my stuff. I, I like a very subtle, modern, clean look generally. And I know my girlfriend gives me shit for that all the time. She's, she says I like the bachelor look because I just want like, like low, modern f- furniture. I don't want a very crowded space. I'm very into like, I don't know, just a, a really like nice kind of classy look with everything so i look at something like the xbox series x and i think that's a beautifully designed console i love it's kind of simplistic yet obscure for video game console design kind of minimalist yet brutalist design style i think i think the xbox series x looks actually beautiful it's one of the most attractive looking consoles i think there's ever been but you know and, and that's you know no surprise it was designed in partnership with the microsoft surface team so you get panos panay and those guys you know, sharing their expertise with the Xbox team, they're bound to make a, 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 visu- a visually striking, pleasing yet sophisticated looking console like what we got with the Series X. But the idea of like slapping a sticker, on, a glorified sticker, so to speak, on the thing to make it look like camo or make it look like the Starfield logo or something like that. It's cool. It's exciting. Like there's a part of like my 12 year old brain that that that. that Oh, I want that. But then there's the adult part of me that's like, no, I don't I don't want to make my living space look all tacky and loud and wild by having the freaking, I don't know, like the halo wrap around my console or the freaking what, what's the Xbox game coming out soon that I'm I'm looking forward to the freaking avowed bow and arrow and sword wrap all over my Xbox. So I don't know. It's kind of weird because I feel like this is something younger me would have eaten up. But older me is like, ah, just just preserve the beautiful look of it. Because these actually remind me a lot of these wraps that you used to be able to get. I guess you could get these for like OG Xbox, PS2 and everything. A lot of third parties made them. But I had one for my GameCube. It was a uh, Pokemon. What is that game? Not not XD Gale, uh, Gale of Darkness. It was the one before that. So that was Pokemon Coliseum, I believe. Right. Am I Am I remembering that correct? I think that was correct, uh, that Pokemon game for GameCube. And I remember I had, no, maybe it was XD Gale of Darkness, actually, but I had a wrap from that game for my GameCube, and I remember putting it on. It was like this nice, bubbly, sticker, like, laminate-type thing, and I thought it made my GameCube look so freaking cool back in 2003 or whatever it was. And, uh, yeah, just this kind of reminds me of that, although it's important to know that this isn't basically just, like, a sticker decal. These are, like, really nice. They're they're high-quality. They're kind of more... I saw basically people who have gotten to see them in person and hold them and touch them say they're a lot more akin to, like, kind of like the cover, like the cover, uh, this not displays, but like cover protectors that you get for like an iPad or a Surface Pro where it's a lot more of like a, 
like a firm fabric type material with like a hard back to it. So these are kind of premium feeling and nice, which is, which is really welcome and awesome. I think for 50 bucks, 45 to 50 bucks, it's, that's a great deal because then people can kind of switch them out over time. You can buy one Xbox and then maybe this year you sport the Starfield look cause you're really into Starfield. And the next year you choose like a nice neon blue if they got one like that. And then maybe a year later, like, fuck it. I'm all into, um, I don't know what's an Xbox game that comes out in two years, probably maybe Fable or something. You slap one of those wraps on your console. Who, who knows, right? It's it's fun. It's exciting. It gets you get a lot of mileage and a lot of personalization, accessorization out of your Xbox. And you know, they of course Microsoft has to play the uh, economic, the, the environmentally friendly angle. I actually do love that they're doing this kind of like what PlayStation's doing with their consoles, where you can get the little um, the little plates for it as opposed to just buying a new console because it is so frustrating when it's like. Man, I would love to buy the the Halo Xbox or the Starfield Xbox, but I already have an Xbox, and it's kind of a waste of my freaking money to what just buy another Xbox and maybe try and sell the other one at a severe loss. So this is a great alternative. It gets a lot more people, gives a lot more people the option to jump in on the personalization kind of train of of uh, customizing their console, and I I just love this. So this is a you know it's not nothing like super groundbreaking or anything, but. Xbox has always been really good at these things, right? The Xbox Design Labs for your controller. Xbox Live has always been a really robust system with tons of ways to customize and tailor your experience. The Xbox Dashboard's full of ways to like customize and tailor make your experience. And I love that they're just kind of continuing that support and that trend of bringing it, extending it out to your console as well with these wraps. So I think this looks great. This is super exciting. I welcome this stuff and excited to see what we get as more and more of these begin to co- begin to come out. And then before we move on, of course, the last thing that must be noted is clearly these are only for Series X right now, which means, yes, the little Series S is left out of it <clears throat> by not having a by not having a wrap available for that as well. But my, my guess for that is probably, you know, Xbox Series S has already greatly outsold Series X because the cheaper version always sells better. So my my guess is that maybe what they want to do is test this out in the Series X market because you can make lower quantities of these to kind of see what demand is like for an accessory like this. Plus maybe even more importantly than point one is that your most hardcore gamers are going to buy the series X over the series S. So it's more likely if you can only do one of these consoles, someone who spent 500 bucks on a series S or X and loves Xbox and plays all the major game releases on Xbox is probably a lot more likely to drop 50 bucks on a, on a skin wrap than the guy who has an Xbox series S as his secondary console to his PS five or his PC or whatever. And then, you know, has an Xbox for a couple game pass titles or something like that. So, you know, it's, if they could only start with one it, for a couple of reasons to me, it makes sense that they went with the series X, but you would imagine that this does well, they'll eventually expand and start to offer wraps and things like that for the series S as well. So, yeah, patience. If you're wondering how can I get one of these for my Series S, I'm sure it will happen in due time. But yeah, I mean, you these these look great. I I I, I don't know. I might cave eventually and buy one of these. It just depends. It's you gotta get the right skin. Listen, if you can get one that has that like Nokia yellow, that like Nokia neon yellow, that like the old Lumia phones used to have, the old Windows Lumia phones. If you can get me a, a wrap that looks like that for my series for my Series X, okay, I'll cave. If I can make my Xbox look like a giant freaking Windows phone, I guess, you know, I might have to say, well, we'll screw it. It's not going to match the couch in the entertainment center, but so be it. So, uh, all right, let's move on to another one. Fetimus1450 wrote in and says, hey, good podcast. Uh, could use more Minecraft though. Well, 
you're in luck. Because according to VGC, it looks like Microsoft could be gearing up to release a native Xbox Series X slash X version of Minecraft. Yes, you didn't hear that wrong. Xbox Series S and X still do not have a native version of Minecraft. It is just an optimized version of the Xbox One game, uh, similar to how PS5 has just been running a slightly optimized version of the PS4 version of Minecraft ever since these consoles came out three years ago. So as spotted by VGC contributor Andrew Marmo, Microsoft has classified was classified for series consoles in Germany earlier this month. Currently, the Xbox One version of the game is playable on Series S and X via backwards compatible. One feature that could potentially be supported is an optimized version of the game for Series S, series consoles with uh, ray tracing support, which Microsoft has been teasing um, since the platform's launch back in 2020. So yeah, this is a feature that's been on PC for a little while, but we've been teasing it for console. It's never really happened, and this could be it. Hey, Minecraft... For Xbox Series S and X and PS5, and it's got ray tracing and all that good jazz. Maybe not so much on the S. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But it's kind of crazy that Minecraft still, uh, to this day, just just hasn't had a native Xbox Series version, considering this is like a, the ultimate games as a service type game. I mean, like, Minecraft has been a, a service platform style game for Longer than freaking, I don't know what's big, Warzone or, or Fortnite or any of that stuff. I mean, I mean, Minecraft is one of the OG big games as a service type platform style games. I mean, this this game clearly transcends the the platform it originally launched on back being a PC game and then coming to Xbox 360 uh, a year or two later. So for this game to have followed Xbox throughout the generations and, of course, be a first party game ever since the um, Mojang acquisition in 2014, it just it would just make sense that you'd have a native version of this game running on modern Xbox hardware. I think it's actually kind of shocking. It's taken this long, but I, I, I assume that this is a real, uh, a real tease or leak, so to speak, and that it's really just a mortar, of, a, a matter of mortar. It's more a mortar of, no, it's a matter of when more than it is a matter of if Minecraft gets a native port. I just, I just think it's insane. That's taken this long. So We'll have to keep an eye out on that one. Now, let's talk about some bullshit online controversy because sometimes these things happen and I glaze over and I just move on. Sometimes these things happen. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe do people listen to Xbox on find this stuff interesting? Let's let's maybe try one of these stories out and just see if uh, if anyone reacts or, or cares or enjoys this or if it just seems like nonsense that we should leave out for future episodes. But from VGC, a Bethesda executive has clashed with a former World of Warcraft lead developer over the latter's comments on Starfield's leaked screen title, start title, the press start title, basically. So there's a lot of internet uh, outrage over this. And when I say internet outrage, I mean uh, uh, like about a dozen or so morons on Twitter are uh, having stupid conversations about how boring looking the start screen looks for starfield and uh because the twitter algorithms and things like that are, are designed to push controversy and hate and negativity um everyone thinks that everyone is talking about this one in actuality 99 percent people probably don't give a flying fuck but here nonetheless let's 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 read it Former World of Warcraft director Mark Kern tweeted a screenshot of Starfield's opening title screen on Saturday, the, literally the, the press start screen, and suggested that not enough time had been spent on it. He said, quote, The start screen of the game can reveal a lot about how rushed the team was and how much pride they took in their work, Kern wrote. Starfield's title screen either shows hasty shipping deadline by a passionate team overworked or a team that simply didn't care. He went on, start screens are often done at the very end of development. Teams are too busy making the core game. It's quite common from the start, sorry, for the start screen to be to completely change once the game is ships um, or is on a patch zero. Teams that take pride and want to be want to put on a good face will often redo these types, uh, the, these start screens just to prior, 
sorry, just prior to the game going live. Let's let's try English again. Kern's comments attracted criticism, notably from Bethesda's head of publishing, Pete Hines, who refuted Kern's suggestion that the title screen meant that either the team didn't care or was too rushed to complete it, saying, quote, or they designed what they wanted to, and that's been our menu for years, and was one of the first things we settled on, Hines replied on Twitter. Quote, having an opinion is one thing. Questioning out a developer's level of, quote, care because you would have done it differently is highly unprofessional coming from another, quote, dev. In a now-deleted tweet spotted by... This is, my, this is really the real reason to read this. In a now-deleted tweet spotted by uh, WCCF Tech, I never know how to read their name, Microsoft Studio in Exile Entertainment made a sarcastic tweet in reference to the debate by joking that it was moving all development resources off the main game to focus on the start screen, saying the following, quote, the campaign will be 45 minutes long, but the start screen will uh, will be 20 hours plus long, it reportedly read. I just, I love how it, Wendy's in Exile's Twitter account is, uh, but like in a non-cringy way, so that's, that's funny right there. But um, I don't know, I... I mean, here's the thing is I, I looked at the start screen and some people having all types of opinions on start screens because, of course, why would we bother focusing on, like, I don't know, homelessness or, or world hunger or fucking the economy, for God's sake, when we could just complain about start screen menus. Uh, but that being said, it's not like I don't care about these things, too. I mean, I could go on and on for hours about the loading screens and start screens on various Sonic titles. Don't don't even get me started on how bad the start the, the loading screens and menus were in Sonic Generations. It's a great game. But they went lazy as hell on the load screens. All right. But getting back into it. Uh, a lot of people were pointing out, like, hey, look at Fallout 3, Fallout 4, Skyrim, uh, Oblivion's start screens. They're all pretty basic. It says press start, and then it's like game, load, save, options in, in the corner, in the bottom left corner. And then it's just like a kind of a single screenshot, like a screen still of, like, the game's logo. So a lot of people were pointing out that this is actually just kind of in line with what these Bethesda Game Studios games kind of look like from the start menu. And to that, I was like, oh, yeah, I do see that. That is kind of a fair point. But to be fair, I, I also think that this, you know, I, I, to, to some extent, to an extent to which I would probably never bring it up on Twitter because I frankly feel like no one would care if I want to talk about this. I just feel like this is kind of, I don't know, it's one of those things that's like you maybe think about it on a subconscious level, but you don't really bring it up because who gives a shit? Yeah, I mean, going back to something like Redfall earlier this year, I, I made the criticism that I, I really do think you know, on a subconscious level, there's a lot of there's a little a lot of thought and a lot that you convey about your game. When a player boots up your game and they see like copyright 2023 havoc engine microsoft epic games uh freaking fortnite for some reason why not activision they see like 50 different company logos pop up and then they get that wall of text pop up that's like just a bunch of fucking white text on a black wall and it's just like uh, starfield copyright 2023 all rights reserved uh references to drug and alcohol uh, courtesy of the coca-cola company atlanta georgia three you know whatever the fuck they do right and you just see that kind of bullshit and um, I think that looks bad, right? Like generally seeing stuff like that when you boot up a game and then you get like a really crappy start screen that's just like press start and it's like start game options and it's like kind of like bland and boring. That is usually the mark of like a third party game or like a, a lower budget game, maybe a double A game. Whereas you boot up like a first party triple A cream of the crop game. You have, you expect kind of a more cinematic experience, right? You boot up a Halo game, you get like the 343 logo. And then just the start screen. You don't have to get all this wall of legal text. You don't have to get the fucking, here's all the various uh, physics engines we use to help engineer the game. Like, th those might be in the credits, but you don't put that in the freaking opening of the game when you launch the game. And I, I agree to a point. I think a lot of that stuff does kind of help 
help that the player feel that level of premiumness when they boot up a game for the first time. It says a lot about what kind of game they're playing uh, based on how nice that start screen looks and and what kind of splashes you show before the start screen arrives and all those things. So I actually do agree and care to some extent, but at the same but by the same token, it's like I, I think he, this this guy just took it a step too far. This Mark Kern guy because it's like I, I think that opening that start screen. And those splashes that shows when you, when you launch the game from the dashboard and, and are waiting to get to the start screen, I think those things definitely have an impression on the player and maybe on a subconscious level kind of convey something about the quality of the game or how much care and effort is put into the way the game is presented initially to the player. I do think that matters to some extent. But to, to just immediately say this is a way of saying either the game, the game devs didn't care or were crunched and overworked and didn't have time to put the effort into making the start screen. I think that's a step too far. I think some some people simply don't see it as being that important, and some people like that simplicity. It's like, hey, it's just let, let's just spend less time focusing on the shit that doesn't matter, like how appealing our start menu is, so we can just spend more time focusing on things that actually matter. Like, And that's not necessarily a matter of crunch or not or being overworked or not. It's just a matter of like, I just don't value that shit, you know? Like, I don't know, some music some music styles and really, like, lean into and revel in, like, a more lo-fi kind of rough garage recorded sound over, like, a super highly polished, spruced-up, uh, million-dollar studio sound, like, like perfectly, perfectly executed, um, overly polished and, and, and engineered and, and um, produced kind of professional sound like these are there's different flavors of doing things i'm not necessarily trying to insinuate that someone at bethesda is like yeah it's kind of punk rock if our start screen looks basic and boring but to say that i don't know maybe 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 this just isn't a priority for anyone because there's just so much more focused on the game that they're like hey this this start screen didn't stop you know the same kind of basic start screen didn't stop Skyrim from sell, selling 8 trillion copies on every fucking Xbox platform for the past 15 years. So why should we care or think anything differently about doing the same for Starfield? So I don't know. To me, again, it's just I have a hard time even engaging with these kinds of conversations because while I acknowledge that they garner a lot of attention and people are fiery and have things to say about it and that in and of itself is kind of fun and funny. Um, I don't know. These, these kinds of stories, oftentimes they make me more exhausted than they make me like engaged or interested because I'm like, oh, this this. Oh, this matters so little. I just want to freaking jump off a bridge because I'm supposed to play video games to enjoy my life. And now you're now now we're here accusing game developers of being lazy because you don't like the start screen for Starfield. Oh, my God. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, th- I saw Jazz Corin tweet something funny, which is funny in like a, a little bit of like haha funny, but more like funny in like a, this hurts because it's probably true kind of way where he's like, I can't wait for the next 30 days to be like PlayStation fanboys on Twitter bitching and moaning saying, um, doing the whole like the start screen isn't pretty uh oh the game only runs at 30 fps and all this shit it's like i i swear to god man if we can't just appreciate the game for being a good or a good game or for being the game that it is we have to we have to like resort to this like what an ugly start screen or ah 30 fps instead of 60 fps it's like have you played the damn game do you know if it's good or not okay have you have you at least consumed any like ideas or information about the game that might tell you what the game has to actually offer instead of bitching and moaning about the start screen. I mean, my my personal favorite start screens are the ones that say press start, but this is a little pro tip for some of you newer gamers out there. A lot of these start screens say 
press start to begin, but you can press A, you can press right bumper, you can press you can press Y or B or anything. This these stupid games they're they're, they're basically horrors these games. They tell you they want one thing, but they'll take anything any way you give it to them. They don't give a shit. You can click in the left stick and they'll still press start. They don't care. They don't care. They say they care. They say press start. But you can hit back, and they'll do just the same. Although I guess we call them guide and menu buttons. But I, we, listen, it's been it's been ten years officially, or almost actually. November will be ten years since the Xbox One launched, and I still refuse to call the start and back buttons uh, view and guide. And, I, and to be quite honest, I still forget which one is view and which one's guide because I, I frankly I don't care. It's a uh, it's it's start and it's back. So. <sighs> If I want to be really pedantic about it, I could say it's not right bumper and left bumper. It's actually black and white. So, uh, But I'm not going to do that because I'm a product of the Xbox 360 era. Uh, anyway, let's move on. I'm, I'm, I'm already exhausted thinking about that. Guys, let's talk about Bungie. Let's talk about Destiny, more importantly. Let's talk about Destiny 2. Because while it is Gamescom, it, this uh, today was also the... Uh, the Destiny to the Final Shape expansion reveal stream. Destiny Bungie does one of these like every year around this time, usually around Gamescom time, but it's kind of like their own Destiny event stream event. I actually didn't watch this. Um, I, I just caught some recaps and then read some stories, but here we are. Bungie has released a new trailer for Destiny 2, the Final Shape, which is the new expansion that is officially coming out. Now they've given a date on February 27, 2024. So they showed the first trailer. They announced the date. And uh, yeah, the final shape is set to complete the Light and Darkness saga, which has been building since the first expansion to the original game back in, oh, what, what was that, House of Wolves? Was that, or was that Croatia, 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 whatever, Croatia? <laughs> no. Um, but I mean, yeah, I think House of Wolves was the first expansion. That was, that was either like November 2014 or like February 2015 or something like that. But yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been almost a decade in the making, so... They keep marketing like it's the end of the, they call it the light and darkness saga, but this could potentially be, if they wanted to, this is probably a good stopping place. This is basically like the uh, the Avengers Endgame for Destiny. This is going to be a pretty good jumping off point if, you know, if if this isn't the end of Destiny in terms of its like major story beats and things like that, it is at least the end of like the main story arc that people have been paying attention to since this all began. So this is a huge moment for destiny. And in, in the announcement, they, they said the following quote, the final shape looms a nightmarish calcification of reality into the witnesses twisted design reads the description accompanying the reveal trailer. Embark on a perilous journey into the hearts of the heart of the traveler rally the Vanguard and end the war of light and darkness. God, any other game or movie, I would have been like, that's so nerdy. That sounds so stupid. But because it's Destiny, I'm like, yeah, rally the Vanguard and the War of Light and Darkness. Because I like Destiny, so leave me alone. Uh, during the Destiny 2 showcase on Tuesday, Bungie revealed plans to replace the game's current seasonal structure with a new episodic structure. They said, quote, what's really important about episodes is that it's a really big shakeup to what we've been doing, said assistant game director Robbie Stevens. Instead of uh, providing four seasons a year, you're going to get three larger episodes. And so the first three episodes are coming uh this year are called echoes revenant and heresy sorry so th these th these three episodes begin after the final shape next february they said coming in the following year uh they said and the theme for the year is going to be all about the consequences and aftermath of the final shape so we won't really know what that means until we've 
played and finished the final shape. So I don't really know exactly what it means, but I guess it's just kind of a way of taking the seasonal content and structuring it in a way that kind of conveys to players more of like what they can expect. This is how long the season or the episode is. This, these are the we have in these one, two, three act structures. So you know these items will be available at this point. This story information will be available at this point, and so it kind of just presents this information that we get in seasonal content in a way that's more like consistent and predictable so that players can know what to expect so you don't have this issue that destiny's been having for a couple years where it's like here's a season that everyone loves and it's great story content and great in-game content and events and everyone's super high on destiny and then two months later here's a new season that everyone hates and there's like nothing going on and everyone's pissed and all the content sucks and all that so this is kind of a way of just kind of making a more predictable and digestible way for players to understand what's coming and how to approach each seasonals type episodic event. So my, that's my guess is just kind of restructuring the same content you already get with seasons, but in a new way that makes it potentially a little more digestible and approachable for players. So we'll see how that works out. That's to be determined, but I don't know. I, I just want to say shout out to destiny. Uh, I watched the trailer for the final shape and I was like, I'm kind of a, a little a little embarrassed to admit it, but not too much. I, I wear my heart on my sleeve. So I, I, I watched the trailer and I was like, damn, that kind of, kind of hit me in the emotions a little bit, like watching it. I kind of felt something because Destiny is, I would say Destiny is one of the important, one of the more important games in my life. I feel like this is, this is like the game that defined like my, my college years and so on. I mean, I've been playing this game for almost a decade straight. It's, it's been a game that I've played consistently every single year for nine years at this point. And, uh, to see that we're, we're reaching that like Avengers Endgame moment where Iron Man's going to die or whatever the hell happens. Um, I'm just, I, I don't know, I'm really excited to see that happen because I remember when Destiny 1 came out, the thing that disappointed me the most is it's like I felt nothing for any of the characters, any of the narrative stuff. I felt like I didn't understand anything that was going on. I know a lot of people felt that way back in year one of Destiny 1. And even though I loved the aesthetic of the world, I loved the gameplay loop, I thought the game was so fun and compelling... I was really disappointed that there was nothing narratively to latch onto. And over the years, Bungie's done such a great job of, you know, highs and lows, but of, like, getting you to care about the, the characters in the world of Destiny. Even if you're not one of those people, like, reading the freaking lore cards on the website or watching the My Name is uh, Bife videos on, on YouTube trying to understand all the lore and things like that. Even if you're someone who just kind of jumps on when there's a new expansion, plays the campaign, jumps off and waits till the next expansion, I feel like... If you've been playing Destiny pretty consistently over the past decade, like I have, like many have, you know that, like, we've gone from, like, what the heck is going on in, in, in this game to, like, I'm not 100% sure on everything, but I know I kind of get these ideas, I get these concepts, I get these figures, I get these characters, and I I don't know, I feel a lot of, like, love and, I don't know, like, I, I, like a lot of, like, a lot of reverence for some of these characters and some of the things in, in the Destiny universe, and so... I don't know. I've, I've, like the, the trailer shows like uh, like Cade Six is back, and and, and you see Hikora and all that, and and you, and you know we're gonna get, of course, Keith David taking over Lance Reddick's role as Zavala. So like I don't know. You, like, you think about like the characters, and like it's showing highlights from from the game. And they're calling back to some like Destiny One references and stuff. And I'm watching the trailer. I'm like, God damn, this is like this is like choking me up a little bit. Like I, I, I love Destiny. Like this is it's exciting. So I don't know. I'm really hyped on the final shape. I know a lot of people weren't crazy about. Lightfall. I thought Lightfall was pretty good. Not the best expansion, but pretty damn good. And uh, I don't know. I'm just, I'm really excited for this expansion. I think they did a great job kind of teasing this. This is a really good first trailer. And I'm, uh, I'm just excited for next year's Destiny content, just knowing it's going to be probably the most important. Listen, if it's, I'll put it this way if it's anything like what happened to Marvel after Avengers Endgame, this is the last Destiny thing of any serious consequence that anyone will ever care about. So 
I, well, I don't necessarily think that's the case. I mean, you can you can tell there's an air that Bungie is ready to move on, even if Destiny does continue to exist in perpetuity with additional seasonal content and, and new events and maps and things like that and items and all those sorts of deals. You get the sense that like the main time period of Destiny, like it, its place and time, its 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 major relevancy is coming somewhat to an end. We know Bungie's working on a new game, we or multiple new games. We know they got a new role now that they're owned by Sony, and, and kind of what that means with them being part of PlayStation in, in a in a kind of distant sense. And I don't know. You got you got to assume a lot of people at Des at, at Bungie, not Destiny. A lot of people at Bungie are probably at a place now where they're just like, yeah, we we love. We love Destiny, but we're ready to move on and do the next thing. So I think with all that said, it just feels kind of like an end of an era sort of deal. So I'm really looking forward to the final shape. Um, and I know there's a lot of people who listen, a lot of you that listen to the show are, are big Destiny fans as well. So a lot of you probably share my sentiment and just, you know, it's it's a it's a big moment for, for the game. So shout out to Destiny. Even though I love Halo more than Destiny, I got I to give you credit where credit's due. Destiny has managed to be more faithful and respectful of its source material and its and its narrative over the years than Halo has been. You know, look at fucking what they've done with Halo Infinite and how it just bastardized Halo 5's existence. So, um, yeah, just I'm excited to see how they can tie up this story and kind of make it cohesively end in a satisfying way um, in the way that we'll never see from Halo because 343 and Microsoft has decided that they, they hate me and they hate Halo 5 and they want me to be very sad boy for many years to come so shout out to destiny 2 uh let's talk about another thing that makes a lot of money and has guns and things like that call of duty we'll touch on this very very briefly because we'll talk about it a little bit more during gamescom and then we'll be brief even there because we've talked a lot about modern warfare 3 recently i'm sure many of you don't want to hear it but modern warfare 3 since we last met last week i think it was friday or it was Thursday, the in-game, the in-game Warzone event took place. But Modern Warfare 3 has officially been uh, announced and shown off. The Warzone event held last Thursday to Sunday uh, took place. It was pretty cool. I did it a couple times, unlocked the new gun, already grinded it all the way up, leveled it up, no big deal, like it a lot. Uh, but anyway, yeah, the show of Modern Warfare 3 basically confirmed all the rumors and everything. You know, the game's available for pre-order now. Uh, if you pre-order it, you get access to the campaign a week early. Uh, you can get the $100 edition if you like giving Activision extra money, and you can get the $70 version if you just want Call of Duty without the bells and whistles. Regardless, if you pre-order the game, you get access to the beta, plus you get access to uh, the campaign a week early. And of course, because PlayStation's marketing deal is still in effect, even if you spend $100 getting the nicest version of the game pre-ordered on Xbox, you already dropped 100 bucks. You already got the damn thing pre-loaded on your console. Activision's already freaking swimming in your money. All that stuff. Doesn't matter. If you got it on Xbox, you still don't get the, the beta a week early like PlayStation players get it because for some reason, that's fair. You gave, an extra, you gave $100 to a company and they're going to favor the Sony customers that spent $70 pre-ordering the base game because they're on PlayStation. So keep in mind, I'm not trying to stoke the console wars flames or anything like that, but uh, I will never get over just what an absolute dog crap uh, deal that is that Sony has with Activision for these Call of Duty games. And I cannot wait to see that come to an end permanently and forever. And I hope uh, I hope there's like some freaking YouTube video where uh, Phil Spencer lights lights a takes a takes a copy of every call of duty game released from 2014 to 2024 and 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 puts them in a pile and takes a sony flag and wraps the games in the sony flag and then lights it on fire and says marketing deals are over power to the players even though i think power to the players is uh actually what is power to the players was that a was that a playstation thing or a nintendo thing why am i blanking on that anyway no one cares i think that's no that's nintendo that's that's nintendo power what the hell am i thinking 
Anyway, let's move on with our lives. So, yeah, it's all, it's all the stuff. Everything that, that, you know, they're talking about the open combat missions where some of the campaign missions are going to be, like, open world, open-ended. Approach it how you want. Use the game sandbox to kind of do the objective to your liking. But they'll still have the traditional, more linear, cinematic Call of Duty missions in conjunction with that. And then, yes, the game's multiplayer suite is going to be completely Modern Warfare 2, OG Modern Warfare 2 2009 remasters. So, all 16 launch maps are going to be remasters of the old Modern Warfare 2 maps, and then the game will get 12 additional maps through DLC over the course of its year, and uh, those will all be brand new original maps, so yeah, Modern Warfare 3 is real, it's happening, the Warzone event was pretty cool, played it a couple times last week, and uh, I'm not proud to admit it, but I, I ranked up to level 200 on Modern Warfare 2, so that's where I am in life, that's 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 what I've accomplished to all the other people my age who have, I don't know, built a, built an app or something that's made a million dollars, or to all the people who have like a family that's like prospering and growing, I am level 200 on Modern Warfare 2, which is a Call of Duty game that uh, will be irrelevant in two months. So how's that for being a total badass? Uh, last thing before we move into like the, the rest of the show and the proper news, I just want to throw this out there. Not Xbox related, but it is, I don't know, it's Xbox related, right? Not, or sorry, it's video game related, right? So Charles Marnett will no longer be voicing Mario, Nintendo announced this week. In an official tweet, the company stated that Martinette, uh, who has voiced the mascot for over 25 years, will be stepping down from voice acting duties and will be instead uh, taking on a new role as the role of the Mario ambassador, which means nothing. Uh, it's a title and nothing else. But I don't know, I just want to shout that out because even if you are not necessarily a Nintendo person, it's like who who didn't cut their teeth on Nintendo at some point in their childhood? And uh, this guy's been voicing Mario since like Mario 64. So I just want to say, shout out to Charles Martinette. You will be missed because uh, I don't know. I just I, I like Mario. I like I like the Yahoo he does. I think it's, it's cool. I like when when people when people say Yahoo.com when I when I ask people, hey, what's your email? Let me send you let me send you some spam. What's your email? And they go, oh, you know, it's Jason Tr five six eight at Yahoo.com. Like I'm sorry, what was that? At Yahoo.com. Like can you say it one more time? Oh, you mean Yahoo.com, and then I do the Mario, and then they get mad because my last name is DeRosa, but that's not a pass for me to do a racist Italian accent, but I do it anyway because I don't give a shit. I think all Italians are guidos. I think fucking meatballs are overrated, and guess what? I don't even like spaghetti. That's right. That's right. They're shutting me down. They're taking my podcast away from me. I hate Italians. I think Italians are disgusting. I think I think we should build a wall around Italy. Get out of here, you stupid country shape like a boot. How about I take that boot and I shove it right up your own butthole, Italy? You like that? You like that so much? Guy that got violent real quick. I don't know. Some hate towards Italy. I don't know where this is coming from. But guys, that's it for all of our opening news stories or stories of mild amusement. You thought, wow, that's mildly amusing? Wow, I, I actually found that to be quite interesting, Jesse. If that's what you consider mildly amusing, I can only imagine what uh, how interesting the actual news is. And I, to that I say, watch yourself. Don't put expectations on me because that's pressure and I don't like that. So... Let's move into the games I've been playing this week. We'll talk about that real quick before we get to the big news. But before I can tell you about the games I've been playing this week, I got to tell you all about what I've been eating. And that probably scared my cat. I'm sorry, kitty. But here's what I've been eating, you guys. Very excited because I know past couple weeks I'm talking about I'm trying to save money. I'm trying to be good. I'm trying to be healthy. Try shop at the Aldi. Aldi's got this. You can save so much money. Okay, listen. Here's a way to save some money. And be a total just gluttonous piece of crap, like you know, like like I like to be. This I mean, it's Xbox on podcast. We talk about Taco Bell almost every other day. Applebee's, don't don't hey, don't go away yet. Applebee's, twelve dollars and ninety nine cents. All you can eat boneless wings. Hello, 
So I saw this ad on Instagram because Instagram knows I'm a shallow fat man and that all I care about are pictures of cute cats and um, and delicious looking food. And so they target marketed me. That's right. They, they put a target on my back and they marketed towards me on Instagram. And they said, hey, Jesse, you stupid fat man. We noticed that you follow like five different TGI Fridays accounts. By the way, why are there so many TGI Fridays accounts? I noticed you're you're following the TGI Fridays main account. You're also following the UK account. You're following the Japan account. And you also follow a couple accounts for specific locations in Japan that are not official TGI Fridays uh, Instagram accounts. They are just Instagram accounts that employees of these locations in Japan have started because they have a really good workplace camaraderie and things like that, which I guess I'm, I'm just not familiar with being an American, but it's very cute and I like their posts. So sue me, okay? I follow like five or six different TGI Fridays accounts. So Applebee says, hey, that's kind of adjacent to the, 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 the business we do, the food we do. Would you like an ad? And I said, sure. I guess you're listening to my phone anyway, so let's do it. And Applebee's hits me with a boom. This is about two weeks ago. $12.99 all you can eat boneless wings with fries for a limited time only and i go you know i don't like applebee's but i'm trying to be cheap right now and i take it as a per- when you tell me there's an all you can eat option for under 15 bucks and I-, I take it as a personal challenge so i'm like you know it would be freaking good is some some buffalo wings and in the all you can eat sort of capacity so i've been spamming everyone i know i've been spamming their Instagrams, text messages, whatever the case may be with this flyer, with this ad, this internet ad I've been getting. I've been, I've been sending it to, if anyone's listening and they've been getting this, they know. I, I've, I've literally been texting this thing to everyone repeatedly. Please, Applebee's, $12.99. I'm not trying to be cute. I'm not just trying to inform you for the sake of being informed. I'm trying to signal to you this needs to happen. And so finally I wore my girlfriend down after two weeks and she goes, you know what? That's fine. We can go to Applebee's. We can do the $13 all-you-can-eat boneless wings. And uh, the only reason reason I got her to agree to do it was because I was a very good boy all week. And then I reminded her that Applebee's has an exclusive Mountain Dew flavor that they don't have it any, anywhere else. It's only at Applebee's. It's so exclusive. And so she agrees to go. And I'm dreading it a little bit because I'm like, oh, we're going to get there. And it's going to be the thing where, like, we both haven't been to Applebee's since we were, like, seven years old. And it's going to be super dirty and sad. And we're going to be like, oh, this is why millennials and Gen Z don't go to Applebee's is because they're disgusting and they're sad and they're decrepit. And it's kind of like you walk in and you just see, like, the saddest people eating there and working there. And you're like, oh, God, this is why this is why we go to Chipotle, right? This is why we don't do these restaurants. But we get in there and, yes, it is all of those things, very much so. But it's okay. Because I'm like, girlfriend figure, are we okay? Are you mad at me that we're here? Do we need to get up and go? Are you going to be okay? And she's like, nope, I told you we'd do this. Let's do this. I'm like, thank you for being a champ. I appreciate it. So we get her, her little Mountain Dew thing. Um, and it's fine. It's not the best Mountain I forget the name of it, but I've had it before. It's it's, it's not that good. It's it's, it's one of the, the, the worst Mountain Dew exclusive flavors you can get. Like the, the one at Sam's Club is way better. The one, of course, Baja Blast way better. Um, but it's fine, whatever. But our server comes out, and it's like what you'd expect from Applebee's. The server comes out. He reeks of cigarettes. He's, he just looks like this guy who, who I'm looking at. I'm like, how, how, what, what, what has happened? What, what has life done to you that here you are reeking like cigarettes about to serve me all you can eat boneless wings? And not to be mean or criti- you know, critical of him. Like, listen, respect to anyone out there hustling, doing a job, making money, doing their thing, contributing to society. But it's just one of those things where I'm like, there's just, there's, it's just everything about here is just a little sad. This is one of those moments where I'm a piece of shit because this server turns out to be one of the best servers I've had in so long. I've been to way more expensive restaurants and had way worse service. This dude's a total G. He's super nice. He's super fast. He's keeping the refills coming. We got the waters and the Mountain Dews. We got the fucking 
buffalo wings with french fries and ranch and then she's got the garlic parmesan wings with with french fries and ranch and we're just he's this guy's a total g and then at the end we're on our last round of all you can eat wings and he's like he's like i'm not supposed to do this but here you go and he slips us a to-go box absolute legend this man I, i appreciate the hell out of him super cool i'm like that's one of those things like I would love to ask for this, but I would never ask for this because I know the policy and I don't want to be an asshole. But he just went ahead and brought us a to-go box so we could take our leftover wings and fries home. I'm like, you're your guy, your guy. He's a super awesome server. Uh, and, and here's and here's the kicker. You know what? The all you can eat boneless wings, they're pretty damn good. Listen, I know there's always gonna be those people. Boneless wings are just chicken nuggets. Shut up. Boneless wings are delicious. They are not as good as boned-in wings. But for $13 in this economy, all you can eat boneless wings with french fries is a damn good deal. And you take what you can get. And in this case, what you get is pretty decent, okay? Yes, I am aware. If we could go back in time to 2009, Applebee's would be doing the same promotion. It would be like $10.99, all you can eat boned in wings. I get it. I know. I know what inflation's done. I know what corporate greed has done. I'm aware. I know. The boned-in wings are now like $20 for a pack of 10. I don't know why restaurants think they can charge that, but they do, and I don't order them anymore. But in today's world, in our current economy, in the state of affairs we're in, what they offer is boneless wings, and for $13 unlimited with, with fries, I think that's a fine deal, okay? And also, just as a side note, if anyone's planning on doing this, the, 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 the hack, the trick, the key is to not load up on the fries too much because, of course, you want to save room for the boneless wings. That's always how they get you, you know? All right, so shout out to Applebee's. Wings were pretty good, actually. They'll definitely make you feel like crap after you eat them, but they're good. $13 not a bad deal. So shout out to that. Shout out to my girlfriend for agreeing to let us go. And shout out to our server for being an absolute G. You were awesome. Hope you have a great day. And if uh, if you're out there, you're probably not listening because chances are you're a PlayStation fan. So to that, I say up yours because I'm petty. But uh, no, that's all joking aside. That's it for what I've been eating, you guys. And for that, uh, or with that, I, I think we should move into what I've been playing so we can speed things along and get into the uh, the main news. So yeah, I've been playing a lot of Modern Warfare 2. We don't have to talk about that because what's there to say? I just I was working on the Modern Warfare 3 Warzone event and, and doing some leveling up and goofing off. So playing a little bit of that. Um, I downloaded a game called Titan Quest, which is a, a game that was made for PC in like 2006. Uh, made by a bunch of Age of Empires people, the co-creator of Age of Empires, Brian Sullivan. And apparently it was written by the writer of Braveheart, Randall Wallace. I did not know that until I looked this up. But yeah, it's a it's an old like Diablo-style dungeon crawler game from like PC in 2006. And THQ Nordic and Black Forest Games, the guys that did like the Trail Humans remakes, reported this game and upped it a little bit on consoles a few years ago. And so it was on sale on Xbox this week for like $7, and I don't know why. I don't like things that look all Spartan and Greek and things like that. Generally, it's an aesthetic that kind of drives me nuts, but Kronky and I decided let's impulsively just download this game. Let's give it a go. So we downloaded it, and I played the tutorial for like 20 minutes, and I'm trying to save it because we're going to play it together, but until then, I just got to say, I don't I, I don't know. I, I, this isn't really a game I've been playing. It's just a thing I want to put out there. I, for some reason, for $7, I bought Titan Quest, and I'm going to play this game in the coming week or two. And um, I couldn't be bothered to get, I don't know, Diablo 4, the game everyone's raving about. But I got Titan Quest, so we'll see how that goes. I'll be playing that uh, pretty soon here. Developed by Iron Lore Entertainment originally, and now there's a new game being made, but it's by a new developer. So it's Titan Quest 2. I think it's supposed to come out in like a year or so. So those are the first games I've been playing. Now, I'll talk about the other two games I've been playing because I think these two are much more in- interesting. Uh, the first one is Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which just came to Game Pass last week. 
Yes, I'm playing Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Don't don't ask why. Cronky writes in and says, Texas Chainsaw Massacre was kind of lame and underwhelming for me. I love Dead by Daylight, and I love Friday the 13th. Uh, Friday the 13th, the game. But this one just kind of missed the mark. I feel like it's kind of sloppy, and there's no room for maneuverability. Great Game Pass game because I would have bought this otherwise, and this has saved me some money. So, yeah, Cronky and I were playing... Texas Chainsaw Massacre because uh, that's what happens if you ask if you ask your brother so many times to play Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 with you eventually he'll get pissed off and say no now you need to play a game I want to play because I play Call of Duty so much and it makes me want to hurt myself and he picked Texas Chainsaw Massacre which is like that feels like a targeted attack like anyone who knows me knows like there's there like that's that's kind of like an affront to be like Jesse I get to pick what game we play next and you intentionally go out of your way to pick something like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You just know that's like the most anti-Jesse game of all time. But I downloaded it. I was a champ about it. We played it. And I tried to keep an open mind because last year I really liked that um, that Evil Dead game that came out. I thought that game was genuinely great by Saber Interactive. Well, this game is a lot more in line with those games I don't like of this genre. The, the, the kind of like isometric killer horror licensed games that we'd be getting like dead by daylight or friday the 13th almost said friday the 14th which is funny but friday the 13th it's kind of a lot more like those but i think this might be the worst one of these games i've played yet um where there's two teams it's killers and survivors and the thing that makes this different from these other games is it's not just um one killer versus like three or four survivors it is a team of three survivors against a team of three killers which i think is an interesting and cool twist in and of itself um but the game feels so horribly imbalanced i think we played three matches if i'm not mistaken and oh my god this game feels so imbalanced we played once as the killers and twice as the survivors and uh Man, this this game sucks. This game actually like it sucks. Like you start out and if you're a survivor, you're like hanging uh, you're like hanging from the cellar door and you got to unchain yourself and then like the the goal is to progress from the cellar up to the house, into the backyard and escape from the house. Like that's your objective. And if you're the killer, the objective is to find the survivors and kill them and also to collect blood to feed to grandpa, which Again, never seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre, so out of context, this sounds just it's not creepy, but sounds just gross just kind of like kinky and sexual like you, oh we gotta collect more blood for grandpa grandpa loves drinking blood and i'm a man in my 40s and i still live at home feeding grandpa blood all the freaking time so anyway uh playing as the killers just straight up sucks it's, it, it's it's like any of these games it's boring as hell you spend your time just walking around wishing for death wishing for something to happen and then you find the guy and you're op and you kill him real quick or they escape and you're like okay whatever that was boring uh but playing as the survivor which is supposed to be the fun part i found uh just I, I like incredibly like you're just so overpowered by these guys like the, the they have a really interesting mechanic where it's all about not making noise so like okay you start out and you're like chained to the cellar and you gotta like break yourself free but the whole thing is like it takes a while to break yourself free because you can either like mash the the button to unlock and you'll make a bunch of noise and it will trigger the killers or you keep doing it slowly and steadily but it takes forever to do anything, but you make less noise so you don't trigger the killers. And it's like that throughout every mechanic as the, as the survivors. You're, you're looting dead corpses. You're looting boxes. You're trying to find keys. You're trying to unlock doors. It's all about managing your your um, your noise gauge so that you're not triggering or, or, or um, so you're not um, alerting the, the killers. So I think that's a cool mechanic, but what it ends up doing is you just... It's this tedious gameplay loop of you just constantly trying to traverse this maze. Where do I go? Where do I find this thing? And then eventually you're going to memorize the maps anyway, so then it's less fun. But I, I don't know, man. It just it just seems so, I don't know, 
I don't think that the game's necessarily bad. It's just that these games are already not for me. And I played it and realized, yes, just as I already knew, this game is not for me. But th- this this idea of like, oh, I'm trying to make it out on my own. I'm trying to not get caught. Oops, I got caught. This is so suspenseful and scary. Oops, he got me. He's chainsawing me in half. Ooh, my blood is spilling everywhere and I can see my insides ripping out. That's so fun. I'm going to Twitch stream that. And for some reason, disproportionately, I don't know why women are so drawn to these games. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Isn't it a little weird? It's kind of weird that women are so into like murder and death. I don't know why disproportionately these games that are about like these 4v1 killer games and like these podcasts about serial killers. What is this fixation women have with? It's kind of weird. I'm not trying to be sexist, but it's, it's kind of a thing. You know what I'm talking about? What what is, what is the thing about the, the, the murdering and the killing and the, and the men who like to stab people? I don't know. So I played Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's a game I shouldn't play because it's clearly not for me. And surprise, surprise, I didn't like it. I, I don't have anything really nuanced to say. I just, I just, I found it to be boring. I found it to be tedious. And it, it reminds me of like what I don't like about Battle Royale games, which is just that I feel like you spend so much time trying to prepare, trying to collect things, trying to scourge the map, trying to loot things. Ultimately, for what? what one guy kills you one time and it's game over, completely restart from scratch? I hate that. This is why I like shooters. I like I like team deathmatch and capture flag and stuff like that because it's like, oh, I got dead. I'm going to hit X and I'll be respawning immediately. Like, that's what's fun about Halo. It's like, oops, I died. Let's try it again immediately. But you play games like this or like Battle Royale games, it's like, I hate it because it's like, I spent 20 minutes not interacting with a single other player and I've, unsu- I, I've very successfully not been caught. And then someone spots you and it's like, shit, you're dead in three seconds. And then it's like, what? Back to the menu? Load in, find a new match, restart from square one, start with absolutely nothing in your inventory, slowly work your way up again. What? Only for someone to kill you again and do it. I don't get the appeal. I you know, it reminds me of Warzone a little bit because I tried a couple matches of Warzone. I hate Warzone, but I tried it a little bit this weekend. I was like, God, I just, I just, I just, I don't get the appeal. I don't, listen, y'all who out there playing Fortnite and Warzone and Dead by Daylight, you have so much more patience than I'll ever have. So much more patience than I have. If I if, if if I had to spend 20 minutes in a game where I see no action and then I die and I accomplish nothing and my only option is to stop playing the game or just restart from scratch again and do everything over again, I I don't know. That's like that's like what if video games didn't have checkpoints or something like that. I don't. It just it doesn't sound fun. So uh, if you love Texas Chainsaw Massacre, if you love seeing the blood and the guts spill everywhere, if you like my sexist rant about why women just have a weird kink for fucking. Uh, horror video games and and, and, and serial killer podcasts um, then feel free to uh, uh, I, I don't know I don't there's no call at, call to action but that's that's Texas Chainsaw Massacre and then if you thought that was me being absolutely brain dead insane and stupid all at the same exact time uh, we can we can round we can sound off with with one more game I've been playing and this is the most obscure you'll never cat you, you, you'll you'll never guess what it is guess 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 what game I've been playing Shit, how did you know I'm playing cars for Nintendo DS? God damn it. You're good. You're very good. Yeah, so I was at um I was at a flea market or whatever store recently and I saw uh Disney Pixar's Cars 2006 Lightning McQueen for Nintendo DS and it uh, immediately made me nostalgic for I just really miss these the this echelon of like these crappy cheap movie license games where it's like you know like Disney's The Incredibles or whatever the hell or or you know like uh, man, just so many Superman Returns, whatever the hell it was, Spider Man, and you got like the crappy PS2, Xbox, GameCube version. But then, if you want, if you hated yourself even more than the crappy like licensed movie tie-in, cash grab, cheap seven-month developed nonsense game, um, like Shrek 2 for Xbox, uh, you could punish yourself even further by buying like the. <laughs> 
the even further spin-off knockoff game like Shrek for Game Boy Advance, or in this case, Pixar's Cars for Nintendo DS. And the, the weird thing about these is sometimes the DS or the Game Boy Advance games were actually better than the console versions because the console versions had to be like, try to be like modern 3D games, which are more sophisticated and complicated, especially for, you know, early 2000s standards. So sometimes these games would be kind of shitty, but then like the DS game or the or the Game Boy Advance game would be actually better because it would be a 2D game and it would be a little more like a, just kind of a riff off like a classic NES or SNES game. And, and you'd get like just a regular old platformer or action adventure or something like that. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I just looking at cars in the display case at this flea market, I was like, I damn, I miss this. And I and I have most of the cars games, but I have them on Xbox. I have Cars One on GameCube, and then I have the other cars games on Xbox. Um, so I was like, you know what? I should, I should, I should get these games on DS because I, I, I love this stuff, and I remember how fun it was to play these kinds of cheap license games on Nintendo DS sitting on the couch watching like freaking Disney channel or some crap, because for some reason I watched so much that so Raven as a kid. And, um, I don't know. So I, I, I being an adult with disposable income and being stupid with that money. Sometimes I, I went on eBay and I was like, let's see if I can find these games for cheaper. And yep, I, I did. I found someone was selling every cars game released on Nintendo DS for $17. I'm like, perfect. comes with cars, one cars, two cars, race, Rama and cars, major national. So I bought a lot of them, and they arrived in the mail earlier this week. And you know what? As a product of the late 90s, early 2000s, uh, I know to anyone who is younger or older, this is this sounds like the stupidest investment of time. But if you are someone like me who grew up in like the late 90s or the early 2000s, you know that like this is this is not just playing some shitty cheap games. This is like a, a, a proper trip down memory lane. And, and that exactly it, it has been. I've been playing a little bit of cars on my DS every night before bed. And it's been so much fun. Like the, the first cars game is just a bunch of really, really half baked mini games because you got to think this is like a couple years before, like the advent of like the Apple app store. So this stuff was novel at the time. It wasn't like just, um, it wasn't like playing like some iPhone game because that stuff wasn't really out yet in 2006 when this game came out. And then the other Cars games are trying to be more of like a proper like Mario Kart style 3D kart racer for DS. But um, I'm kind of dabbling in all of them. I'm just it, there, there's just something super nostalgic about it. I miss I miss this stuff very very much. I hate that I hate the the prospect that like a new animated movie comes out. Like I, I talked about this a lot last year. And I think I've talked about it multiple times on the podcast. But like last year that that Buzz Lightyear movie came out. Um, which bombed for some reason, even though it was a very, very good movie. Um, and I, I loved the movie so much. I saw in theaters expecting to not like it at all because I hated Toy Story 4 and I didn't like the idea of a Buzz Lightyear movie. So I went into the theaters begrudgingly, just like, ah, I watch every Pixar movie. I usually love Pixar. I'm, I have to watch this. Let's see how it goes. And I walked out of the theater being like, damn, that movie made me feel like a kid again. I, I love it. Like, if, if Lightyear came out when I was a kid, I'd, I'd fucking dress like Buzz Lightyear every single day for the rest of my life. Like, that, I loved that movie. So, I, ever since that day, when I saw that movie, I've been thinking a lot about, like, just how much I lament the fact that kids today, I you know, they have their things that they enjoy that I'll never understand, but, you know, they don't, they don't know the era of, like, you know, oh, you get out of watching the new Shrek movie or the new Toy Story movie or whatever at the in the theaters, and then you get in the car, mom and dad drive you home, and you got your Game Boy in the back seat, and you're like, oh, man, please take us to Best Buy, take us to GameStop or whatever. Like, let's go let's go get freaking stupid Shrek 3 on Game Boy Advance. Let's go get Sonic Heroes or whatever, even though it's not a licensed movie game. It might as well be because a lot of the Sonic games from that era are kind of shitty anyway. But you, you know what I'm talking about? It's like you you want those those games, and, like, kids today, they don't, 
They don't know that. They're too busy playing like some obscure metagame that someone made within Roblox that no one's ever heard of, but has but but has three million players or something like that, or or they're playing yet another millionth hour of Fortnite or something like that, or they're playing something on their iPad where you just tap the screen and get bombarded with ads. Who knows? Kids are crazy these days. But it just made me sad that that's like that's that's a part of my childhood. That's just that's it's just that language, that understanding, that that experience is just totally lost to history at this point. It's like people who were there for it know it and understand it. And everyone who's been born since then is just like, what the hell are you talking about, man? So I don't know. I just feel a lot of nostalgic and love for that era. Uh, and it's just, it's been really nice. I've got a couple, I feel like the DS is a really good platform, especially for these kinds of things. I, I, shout out to the DS. I, I know we rag on Nintendo a lot on this podcast, but serious shout out to the DS. The DS is one of the most perfect gaming platforms of, of all time. When I first actually got these games in the mail, I was like, you know, I'm going to pop this into my 3DS because obviously, you know, 3DS is backwards compatible with regular DS. I was like, 3DS, I had the XL, it's a bigger screen. It'll be a little more comfortable to hold in the hands now that I got like big adult hands and not little kid hands. So I'm playing it on my 3DS. I'm like, this, this doesn't feel right. So I go digging, I find my old Nintendo DS Lite and I pop the game in there. I'm like, this feels so right. Dude, the Nintendo DS, just absolute excellent gaming handheld. Just a perfect, again, same, same thing. Nintendo Switch is a great platform. I, I rag on it all the time, but if you're a kid, if you're if you're 12 years old right now, if you're eight years old right now, and you're growing up with Nintendo Switch, you have a good childhood. I understand what's so cool about that, but I wouldn't trade my childhood with like the with like the Game Boy Advance and the, and the Game Boy Color and the DS. I wouldn't trade that experience for the world. I think that's just... Obviously, I'm biased because that's just the experience I had. But like, I, I I cherish that shit so 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 much. And like going back and like playing a DS game on my old Nintendo DS, it's like that thing just God. The DS feels so good. It's such a cool, inventive con or handheld. People really use that second screen, that touchscreen, to to really great effect in some games. And it's just. I don't know, man. It's, it's, it feels so good going back and playing a little bit of Nintendo DS. So shout out to Cars. It, it, I don't know why. I'm 28 years old, and I've watched Cars from 2006 two and a half times this week already, even though I've probably seen the movie like a thousand times, and I'm playing Cars on my Nintendo DS. While Meanwhile, there was a, a working crew of like a dozen men about five miles from me building me a brand new house because I'm supposed to be an adult and and I go to a job every day where people rely on me to like do my job and provide a service for people because I'm an employee of a business and like I'm supposed to be all these things but at the same time I'm like running around my fucking boxers in my one bedroom apartment with my cat playing uh Pixar's cars on my Nintendo DS so that's what I've been playing this week and you know what I wouldn't have it any other way I love it I love every second of it and so that's it for what I've been playing you guys so all right, uh, let's uh, wipe the nostalgia from our eyes. Look forward to the future. Look forward to the stars, if you will, because we are going to talk about Starfield in a little bit. And uh, move on over to the news. So take a quick break, and we'll do just that. All right, so we got a lot of Gamescom news to get to, but first, I want to talk about this Activision Blizzard news because this one's kind of crazy, and I honestly don't know exactly what all to make about it. I feel like I have a lot of different ways a lot of jumping off points we could do on this so let's just dig right into the news from vgc i think verge may have been the original one to have broken it but uh well i mean kind of all happened at once so from vgc the only website i really ever use microsoft has restructured its proposed acquisition of activision blizzard by agreeing to sell cloud streaming rights to publisher ubisoft yep 
This is not the Twilight Zone. This is actually happening. The revised deal has been submitted to the UK regulator, the Competition and Markets Authority, or the CMA, in an effort to close the deal in, the, in that region. The CMA, remain, means, the CMA remains the last major roadblock to the deal closing. Microsoft had been attempting to get the CMA to revi uh, revise the original uh, decision or revisit the original decision back in April when they blocked the deal, claiming that because of the European Commission had approved it since, that because it had signed a binding agreement with Sony to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation, the conditions had changed. However, in a statement today, the CMA had declared that they had decided that Microsoft's submission did not provide any basis for a change to the original prohibition decision, and that today was imposing a final order which prohibits the original deal on a worldwide basis. Microsoft's announcement appears to be an attempt to get around this prohibition by addressing the CMA's main concern, which was that Microsoft would potentially dominate cloud gaming with Activision Blizzard in their portfolio. Quote, Today, we are taking another important step regarding the transaction, Microsoft said in a statement, to address the concerns about the impact of the proposed acquisition on cloud game streaming raised by the UK CMA. We are restructuring the transaction to acquire a narrower set of rights. This includes executing an agreement effective at the closure of the merger that transfers all cloud streaming rights for all current and new Activision Blizzard PC and console game releases over the next 15 years to Ubisoft Entertainment SA, a leading global game publisher. The rights will be in perpetuity. As a result of the agreement with Ubisoft, Microsoft believes its proposed acquisition of Activision Blizzard presents a substantially different transaction under UK law than the transaction Microsoft submitted for the CMA's consideration back in 2022. After Microsoft, or sorry, as such, quote, today Microsoft has notified the restructured transaction to the CMA and anticipates that the CMA review processes can be completed before the 90-day extension and its acquisition agreement with Activision Blizzard, which expires on October 18th. Under the restructured transaction, Microsoft will not be in a position to either to release Activision Blizzard games exclusively on its own cloud platform, like Xbox Cloud Gaming, or to exclusively control licensing terms of Activision Blizzard games for rival services. The arrangement will give Ubisoft exclusive worldwide rights to stream Activision Blizzard games, except for non-exclusive rights to stream in European economic area. For all existing and current Activision Blizzard games, as well as those being released over the next 15 years, once Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard is complete. In a statement today, the CMA reiterated that it was blocking the original proposal and that they would now have to consider the new one. Quote, today the CMA has confirmed that Microsoft's acquisition of Activision, as originally proposed, cannot proceed, the CMA's uh, chief executive Sarah Cardell, Cardell said. Separately, Microsoft has notified a new restructured deal, which is substantially different from what was put on the table previously. As part of the new deal, Activision cloud streaming rights outside of EEA, EEA, European Economic Authority, I don't know, maybe that's what it stands for, uh, will be sold to rival Ubisoft, who will be able to license uh, to Activision, Activision's content to any cloud gaming provider, which is funny because Ubisoft is a cloud gaming provider. This will allow gamers to access Activision's games in different ways, including through cloud-based multi-game subscription services. We will now consider this deal under a new phase one investigation. While this is not a green light, it will, we will carefully uh, and objectively assess the details of the restructured deal and its impact on the competition, including in light of third-party comments. Our goal is not changed, and the future decision of this deal will ensure the growth or yeah, will ensure that the growing cloud gaming market continues to benefit from open and effective competition driven around innovation and choice. As part of the investigation on the new deal, the CMA is now uh, is now inviting comments from any interested party on the impact of the new proposal and what it could have on the UK on competition in the UK. So, 
Yeah, and the, oh yeah, and the CMA also says, this is in no way us coming up with some bullshit way to draw out the process and to try and save face after being the only ones to shoot down this this this, this decision. We're just trying to be super uh, considerate of the consumer base and the competition and market authority of the UK because in the, the UK, apparently, we need to protect people from America. All right, so again, there's a million different ways we can go down this. So essentially... And this, this is the real kicker is that this is going to affect everyone, not just the UK. So congratulations to the, C to the CMA. Um, you guys uh, have embarrassed yourself so badly that now because you need to save face and you can't just be like, okay, maybe we were wrong. Maybe we're overreacting about the freaking competition in cloud gaming, cloud streaming, which no one actually gives a shit about. Only these corporations care about. No players actually care about. And uh, may maybe maybe we overreacted and caring about this so much and we just need to approve the deal so that we can't be the ones cock-blocking the deal when the freaking origin countries of these corporations in the U.S. don't even care and have agreed to the deal and everything else. But um, anyway, because the CMA is so, is so proud and they have to save face, they're willing to take everyone down with them. And so here here's where we're at. Essentially what this deal means, in layman's terms, is that let's say the CMA approves this deal, and then Activision, Blizzard, and Microsoft are able to tie the knot, get this thing done, and this all happens in October, right? Basically, effectively, effective immediately, Microsoft can start getting Activision Blizzard games, hypothetically at least, into Game Pass, right? You could put Call of Duty Black Ops 2 and Call of Duty freaking Vanguard on Game Pass. You can get these on Game Pass because you own these, these titles. And you can start um, working with Activision to do whatever you're going to do and integrate whatever Xbox things into Activision and get whatever Activision talent and ideas over onto Xbox. And you can do all that stuff. But effective immediately when that deal is done, Ubisoft is the controller of all the licensing agreements for all these Activision Blizzard games, games that already exist and games that come out for the next 15 years. When it comes to streaming. So that doesn't mean that, for example, Call of Duty Black Ops 7 comes out, right? It is still a Activision Blizzard game, which is a company owned by Xbox and Microsoft. So it is still an Xbox game. And that game can still come to Game Pass day one. You can download it on your Xbox Series X. And you can download it on your PC through the Xbox Game Pass PC app, whatever. You can still get it day one on Game Pass. You can still get, uh, you, you know, you can still count it to be an Xbox game. But... Ubisoft holds the rights to the streaming end of it, not Microsoft. So Ubisoft has to pay Microsoft a huge lump sum of money. Microsoft gets even richer off that. And then when Call of Duty Black Ops 7 comes out, Ubisoft gets to dictate who gets it on their streaming platform. So Xbox Cloud Gaming, of course, they're probably going to give it to Xbox Cloud Gaming, but they can also work with other people. They can get on Amazon Luna. They can get on PlayStation Now, which they call, I think, PlayStation Plus. It's just game streaming. It's just a feature on it now. So I forget what they call it, but they can get on PlayStation. They can get it on uh, uh, Google Stadia. Just kidding. Google Stadia is dead because guess what? No one fucking cares about game streaming. We're making a big deal out of nothing. The only reason we have to do all this is because the CMA are a bunch of uneducated well, when it comes to gaming, are a bunch of uneducated, too proud to admit they were wrong, uh, cuck lords, and now we're all having to deal with whatever all this is. So, so yeah, basically Ubisoft is going to be the ones in charge of it now. All right, so that's that's the gist of it. Again, so many ways we can jump off this. Let's try to talk about why why Ubisoft. Right? There's the tinfoil hat reason why, and then there's the there's the likely reason why uh, Microsoft wants to have strong relations with these various with these various um, gaming companies, right? The, the way they're going to compete with Sony 
is through competitive streaming platforms, competitive uh, uh, subscription services, and through having great relationships with various partners. Now, we know Microsoft doesn't have great relationships with a lot of Japanese developers, but they have a great relationship with Activision, especially now. They had a great relationship with Bethesda, and then they bought them. They have a great relationship with Ubisoft, and this is another way for them to just kind of double down. To have a have a relationship like this between Xbox and Ubisoft further strengthens that you gotta think Ubisoft's already kind of had a deal with Xbox for a while now where most Ubisoft games get their marketing deals with Xbox sometimes they do a little bit of PlayStation I think like Far Cry will be with PlayStation and then like Assassin's Creed will be with Xbox but usually Ubisoft works pretty well with Xbox and a lot of marketing deals and this is a really great way for Microsoft to further strengthen you know they're going to acquire Activision which is the biggest third-party publisher and then they're going to strike up a deal like this with Ubisoft which is one of the other big third-party publishers they're not as big as in terms of revenue uh in terms of honestly operating income as like a ea or, or like a take two who have gta but um you know they're they're one of the bigger ones for sure and so this is a great way to build a big tether between them and ubisoft and further strengthen that agreement now another way you could look at this is of all the big third-party publishers ubisoft is the european one now technically of course you got embracer they're european and you've got like Focus Entertainment and stuff, and you know they're they're from France and all that. Um, so like you you have these other outlets, but when it comes to the historyed, long respected, proven track record, probably going to be around for a long time and have been around for a long time. Kind of big European game publishers, Ubisoft is the one that comes to mind. Most of the other ones are either Japanese or American. So Ubisoft is a really big important player in that regard. CMA UK Europe. I know a lot of people from the UK like to pretend like they're not part of Europe or something like that, but you're part of Europe, get over it. Um, so maybe there's something to that where it's like by having this in, you know, you figure that Ubisoft is probably a lot closer with the CMA and European, uh, with the EU and all these different regulators and things like that because of their nature of just being stationed in Europe and being a European company. So maybe there is some kind of benefit or kind of, trust that they suspect that they'll be able to build with the CMA by way of making this agreement, not only with a completely unrelated party, but with a European partner who may have more cachet or more buy-in with a regulator like the CMA than say, I don't know, Square Enix, right? So there could be that angle to it too. Now, if you want to get super tinfoil hat about it, it could be that Microsoft is trying to play some 40 fucking chest here and they're looking on the map and they're saying, okay, we're going to have to partner with another company to to hold the rights to our streaming, uh, the streaming rights to Activision Blizzard games that we can that will basically handle the licensing for us. Even though we will own the properties, we will own the games when it comes to the, the, the licensing to streaming. These guys will have that. And they looked around the map and they said, who do we think is most likely to fail of all of these big video game publishers? And they looked at. EA and how healthy they are. They look at Capcom. They look at, you know, all these Japanese companies wouldn't work with Microsoft on something like this anyway. So they're kind of already off the board. You know, you look around, you look at take two and all these guys, you're like, Ubisoft is kind of in a weak spot. They've been struggling a little bit lately. Now they're not about to go out of business or anything. That's not what I'm trying to insinuate. But if there's anyone who's looking a little weak these days, maybe it's a Ubisoft. And maybe what they think is like by striking a deal like this with Ubisoft. And maybe what they think is that, yeah, by like strike a deal like this with Ubisoft, maybe you know you get some buy-in with the CMA. They are more likely to approve the deal, and then if things go south for Ubisoft, 
they have to sell these rights back to Microsoft and something that they're able to do is kind of a loophole since the deal has been approved and done for a long time, or maybe someone else has to buy them. And part of that is like Ubisoft has to restructure and sell back licensing cloud streaming rights back to Microsoft as part of restructuring to be sold. I don't know because we've, we've seen Ease Gilmont hint at like, hey, we wouldn't be totally opposed to someone throwing billions of dollars our way to acquire Ubisoft. Ne not necessarily. We're, you know, we're not going to say no. So... I don't know. Maybe that's what they're thinking. Maybe there's a little bit of that. I think that's super tinfoil hat um, to really to dig in it that way. But Ubisoft is a, is a very interesting partner to do this deal with, particularly because Ubisoft has a subscription service already called Ubisoft Plus. Now, to be fair, Ubisoft Plus is access to a catalog of Ubisoft games with day one access to certain Ubisoft games, but it is not streaming. It is it is you you subscribe to the service and you download the games. But Ubisoft Plus does have a tier that includes access to, I think it's I think it's Luna, I think it's Amazon Luna. And so with that, they already have kind of a built-in service that gives you access to streaming game content. So there's already kind of a conflict of interest. So you would think on the CMA's front, this is anti-consumer, anti-pro-competition, right? Because... They're, they're taking the rights to these streaming, these cloud streaming um, rights for these games away from one party and giving it to another. So technically, I feel like this should be still, by the, the CMA's flawed logic, um, still not a great deal for consumers. But because, of course, Ubisoft has less skin in the game um, by having access to these games, they, the, these games on streaming services, they're more likely to want to get these Activision Blizzard games on PlayStation streaming service and NVIDIA streaming service and all these other streaming services in Japan and Europe that we we don't know about that Microsoft keeps striking 10-year deals with that we almost never talk about. So it is possible that it's just that simple and that that's what they're that's what they're doing here. So I I, I, I don't I don't know. There's just so many ways we can read it. But when you think about it, you stop trying to read it between the lines and just think about the the fact of what's happening. Microsoft Xbox is buying Activision Blizzard, the guys that do like Call of Duty. And the ones that are going to shepherd and control the licensing rights to cloud streaming for all of those Activision Blizzard games like Warcraft and Diablo and Halo or Halo and Call of Duty. We're going to give that over to Ubisoft, the guys that do like Far Cry and Rayman and Assassin's Creed. And oh, did we mention that now we're going to give Ubisoft the licensing rights for streaming for Call of Duty games while Ubisoft is the one who are in the process right now of trying to launch a Call of Duty competitor or a Call of Duty killer with Crossfire, I almost said Crossfire X, with X Defiant, which comes out imminently. So that's also weird, a little bit of conflict of interest. What, you're going to give streaming rights to Call of Duty to a to a guy, to, to a company that's trying to compete with Call of Duty? So that's also another conflict of interest red flag there. So there's a lot of things that like it just it doesn't really add up and doesn't make sense. This reminds me of kind of like the Marvel thing, right? Like it, as the story goes, back in the 90s, Marvel was kind of hurting. They weren't doing financially all that well. This is long before Disney bought them. And Marvel decided to help stay afloat that they were going to basically sell the license, the, the movie licensing rights to various Marvel characters because Marvel wasn't even as mainstream popular back then. And they weren't worth nearly as much as they were worth today. And so, you know, 20th Century Fox indefinitely bought the, the the film rights to the x-men and um i think they got fantastic four and universal got hulk and of course of all of those most famously sony pictures columbia pictures um bought the rights to spider-man and that's why you fast forward to today and we're still dealing with this nonsensical bullshit where like disney and marvel can't make spider-man movies without like 
striking up certain special deals with Sony and stroking Sony's dick because Sony has the film rights to Spider-Man even though Marvel owns Spider-Man and Disney owns Marvel. It's like it's it's kind of like that a little bit where it's like listen, Activision makes Call of Duty and Microsoft/Xbox owns Activision. But Ubisoft, the guys that make fucking X Defiant and Assassin's Creed are going to have the rights to say whether or not a, 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 you know Call of Duty 7 Modern wa- Modern Black Ops gets to go on Game Pass or Sony service or Luna or Nvidia's GeForce service or any of these various streaming platforms because to get the UK Governing the CMA, a governing body in the or a regulatory body of the UK, who has no affiliation with these American corporations, uh, they threw a hissy fit about the most minuscule. Because I, I guess the thing is, I'm still not over the fact that, like, of all the things to be concerned about with this deal, of all the reasons for any regulator to block this deal in the first place, why the fuck is it about cloud streaming? That just makes no sense at all. That's like the least of your concern. Like, Listen, the UK could have been petty as all hell and said, we just don't trust that Microsoft is going to stick to their word after five, ten years and keep Call of Duty multi-platform. We just don't believe it. We don't trust them. That's as stupid of an argument as that is. That's still a much better argument than we just think cloud gaming is the next big thing. And that if Microsoft has Call of Duty exclusively on their cloud platform, that every other company is going to go out of business. Let's face it. Apple and Google are fucking screwed. And um, we don't think Amazon's going to make it much longer. You know, if Amazon Luna fails, we just think that Microsoft's going to take over the world and no one's going to buy dog food on Amazon.com anymore. So we just we have to protect our consumers who don't even have proper dental hygiene and who eat fucking baked beans for breakfast we got to protect those people by making sure that they don't get what so that microsoft an american company can't buy the call of duty game like what the so i mean whatever we can we can, i'm not actually all that upset about it it's just it's weird more than anything it's that you know go back in time two years ago no one would have guessed no one would have guessed that there was going to be some weird trifecta between xbox activision and ubisoft that's a weird that's a weird alternate history and the crazy thing is, like, when the story was breaking this morning, everyone was like, oh, so they're going to have to do this for, like, in, 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 what, in Europe? Or just in the UK? Or how does that work? Is it just UK or is it all of Europe? And then, like, two hours later, it, it became clear and everyone was like, oh, no, the whole damn universe has to suffer for this. Because the CMA, again, are too proud and don't want to appear weak and don't want to appear ignorant and can't just admit, like, hey, after seeing how literally every other regulator in the entire globe um, handled this situation, it seems that, like, Maybe cloud streaming isn't a big deal and maybe we overreacted because we're just a bunch of red coats who don't know anything about video games and we need to maybe, uh, you know, maybe uh, go back and do our freaking research and learn that nobody cares about cloud streaming, learn that the market isn't really growing despite how badly Google and Xbox and all these brands want it to be, you know? So now we just got to have Ubisoft own the streaming rights to, to Activision Blizzard games. I cannot wait to see, like, how is that going to work? Are we going to see, like, Ubisoft splash screens on Diablo 5 or some crap? Like, what what is happening here? Like, I don't, again, and there's a lot I don't understand about this. I'm not, you know, I'm not a savant with, like, this legal stuff. And so it, I'm, I'm speaking somewhat out of turn here by even by even going on this long. But, uh, yeah, it's just, it's crazy. The good thing is, and, and let's just wrap up with this, the good thing is, I think this will be this will get them over the board because honestly, I don't. I think Xbox is going a little too hard. I think this is overkill just because they want to make sure that this deal cannot end. Activision cannot walk away after October 18th. No one else has any way to, or reason to say no. This deal has to go through. I think they're just covering all their bases and they're willing to 
over-sacrifice to ensure that nothing gets stopped at this point. And so I think that's why it's such an aggressive play here on Microsoft's point uh, perspective. But even so, I don't think Microsoft had, you know, better safe than sorry, but I don't think Microsoft had to be this aggressive with this concession because honestly, I think the CMA are looking around right now and have been for a couple months going, Oh shit! Were those were those guys uh, that 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 put up too much of a fight when none of the other regulators cared as much? We probably shouldn't have gone this hard. Now we've made ourselves look bad, and everyone hates us. And let's be honest, we don't actually care about competition and free market and freaking cloud streaming for video games. So um, I, I I'm sure that this deal was going to get was going to get approved by the CMA with the slightest amount with the the, the teeniest amount of restructuring of this deal. And I feel like Microsoft went a little more above and beyond than they needed to. And so at the end of the day, they're going to they're gonna concede more than they have to. So I wonder if there's a deal um, with, with Ubisoft or, or what, what's happening here. Like, and, and, and how does Ubisoft really plan to benefit from this other than, of course, the obvious, you know, financial de- gain of, hey, we're going to make we're going to make kickbo- kickback off of like Call of Duty and Diablo now and Overwatch because we're going to be able to be the owners and the arbiters of the streaming rights for these games on freaking Android and Amazon Luna or whatever the hell. So I, I get it, but it's just, man, what a, what a weird trifecta of companies to have in bed together all over, all over what call of duty. You happy, you happy Jim Ryan. You went and you complained to your friends across the pond enough. And now they're all, they're all in a tizzy. This is what, this is what happens. Okay. He brought a jar of marmalade over to the UK, and he he, he spoke with his friends. Um, I don't know who, who's British. Freaking Queen? They're British, right? No, they're American. Nope, they're they're British. Okay, I was right. Yeah, they're British. Yeah, so they what? They went the they went crying to dead Freddie Mercury, and in in and, and this is what happens. All right, let's move on because there's Gamescom stuff, and, and let's talk about that. <laughs> so. Put a pin in that. that I, I would assume that that's the last big story. From here, the way this is basically going to go is the CMA is going to basically approve this unconditionally. The deal is going to go through, and that's and that's that. So I assume that this is the last big bombshell story, but, yeah, you know, who knows? Anything could happen. So let's talk about opening night live. Guys, it's Gamescom week. Gamescom kicked off as of Tuesday this week, and, um, yeah, let's, uh, let's talk about it. So opening night live took place today. This is the Jeff Keighley game award style event. They do the summer games fest in the summer. They do the game awards in December. And then around gamescom in August, they do this, uh, gamescom opening night live. So it's kind of like summer games fest, but less exciting. And they even preface this year with like, Hey guys, this is going to be a lot more updates on games. We already know about and a lot less about new game announcements. And, um, yeah, they, they weren't lying, so... Uh, but there's some interesting stuff to talk about, so we'll go through this in the order it was shown. I cut out a lot of stuff that isn't Xbox-related, of course, and so we'll just talk about the important Xbox-related stuff. So the event opens up, and of course, there's always some some nonsense in these events, some Netflix movie trailers and weird sponsorships and things like that, but they opened up uh, with a Starfield live-action teaser trailer for Starfield, and then Todd Howard came out on stage and talked to Jeff Keighley, and they showed some new gameplay. So the conversation they had wasn't all that interesting. It was basically Todd Howard just being like, I've never been to Gamescom before, and uh, oh yeah, we want players to be able to create their own stories. Like That was it. But the Starfield live-action trailer that they showed was... Very, very cool. Very reminiscent of, like, the Halo live-action trailers we normally see whenever a new Halo comes out. Felt very cool. I don't know if Starfield or if Bethesda's ever done live-action trailers for, like, a Fallout game or anything in the past. I think they have for one of the Fallout games, so I don't think this is unprecedented, but I thought this trailer was really, really cool. Um, Definitely a good tonal, like, hype piece. 
Um, of course, they played a weird rendition of Rocket Man, which wasn't as cool, but that's fine. The, the, the trailer itself was really cool. The visuals were stunning, and then it got me further hyped for this game I'm already super hyped about. So they showed a little bit of Starfield. Really not much to say about this other than the game will be out playable for people who have early access on next Friday, so a week from this Friday, and then the game comes out properly uh, the following Wednesday. So, I mean, this game, we're, we're so close to Starfield, man. I can, I can taste it. I'm just... I don't. I don't want to talk about it. I just want to. I just want to sit quiet, wait for it to happen, and indulge. I already. I already did my thirty dollars upgrade. Got it preloaded. I got the whole game downloaded, all one hundred gigabytes downloaded on my Xbox, ready to go. So, whew, after work on on uh, on Friday the first, I'm gonna come home and play some freaking Starfield. Uh, next up, they showed or they announced. This was one of the few announcements they had. Little Nightmares three was announced. Uh, it's coming in 2024. Little Nightmares. I know people really love the first and second game. I have basically no concept of these games. I know it's a little co-op horror type spooky game. It's not necessarily scary, but it's a little spooky. And uh, I know people like these games a lot. They're apparently very creative, very, very unique, very fun. But uh, I just yeah, Little Nightmares three. They announced the third one. It's coming next year. Not much to say about it. And that will be an overarching theme for a lot of these. It's like, hey, they showed this. I don't got much to say. Next, they showed Black Myth Wukong, uh, a, a new look, a new trailer of this game that was announced back in 2020. So we got a first look gameplay of it for the first time in years. And this is a game from uh, Game Science, which is a Chinese developer. This is like their first game being released all over the world and looks 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 pretty impressive to me. It looks very Souls-like, so like it's nothing I care about, but... I, I very much am in support of Chinese developers making games and, and getting a name for themselves and, and joining the and joining the, uh, the 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 pantheon of wonderful game developers. I we, we need you know we got lots of game talent in places like India and China and and um, and uh, we, we we see places like Italy growing in, in in game development popularity and things like that. So I'm all for this. I want to see new creative developers come from all all spaces, all corners of the earth and. So for that reason alone, I think this game is interesting. But in terms of like, is it a game that looks like something I would play? Uh, no, not at all. It looks like uh, another Wu Long Fallen Dynasty Souls like spinoff knockoff something inspired game. Next up, another game announcement: Killing Floor Three, which I thought was uh, pretty cool. Killing Floor, uh, developed by Tripwire. Shout out to Tripwire. They're from like 20 minutes from where I grew up. Um, but yeah, Killing Floor 3 announced. No date on this, but uh, it was just a cinematic tonal trailer. But Killing Floor 1 and 2, it's a horde-based zombie game that's very popular on PC and has come to consoles in recent years. But uh, I've, I've never played these, but I hear pretty decent things about them. I hear they're solid. Maybe this is the Left 4 Dead thing I'm looking for since none of these Left 4 Dead successors have really paid off. But um, this game will be coming to Xbox and PC when it comes out. I assume that's like a 2025-26 game, but we'll, we'll see. Next up, talking about Xbox, this is a, a big surprise. No one saw it coming, although can't say I'm, I'm personally super hyped for it, but it is very Xbox-related. Age of Empires 4 Anniversary Edition is not only a thing, but it's available right now on Xbox. So Age of Empires 4 is finally coming to Xbox Series consoles, Xbox One. And it's on Xbox Game Pass today in the form of an anniversary edition. It features native inputs for controllers, a new tutorial to help console players learn the ropes of the game, and more. So, yeah, I mean, this is this is awesome. And by the way, these are all little excerpts pulled from IGN. They had a little breakdown of all the announcements, so I'm pulling from that. But, um, yeah, Age of Empire 4. I know Kronky's super excited for this, probably. Uh, but this is a Microsoft PC game long associated with Windows that I... I appreciate them trying to make it a thing on Xbox and I hope it finds an audience and it's successful, but man, this, is, this game is just, 
I don't know. Age of Empires, as much as I love strategy games, never did it for me, although I, I've never played one. So who knows? Maybe I would love them. Maybe I got to give this game a try. But it is very cool to see that's finally coming to Xbox, especially because Xbox has a good track record with great strategy games. Shout out to Halo Wars. I love Halo Wars. Uh, all right. Next up, they showed Crimson Desert gameplay with a new trailer. Uh, this is that Korean-made game by Pearl Abyss. Um, it is this crazy open-world-looking game that looks like uh, just a, a, a hodgepodge of so many different types of games. It, the way what I wrote down while I was watching the trailer is this game looks like Red Dead mixed with Breath of the Wild mixed with Assassin's Creed mixed with Elden Ring. Put it all together, and you got Crimson Desert, um, which is still no still no release date on this game, but I think it was announced a year or two ago, so. We've seen it a couple times at Jeff Keighley events, and uh, again, look, looks looks interesting, but again, not my not really my thing. Uh, next up, they showed another trailer for Payday 3 with Ice-T uh, narrating it. I guess he's in the game. Who cares? Starbreeze Entertainment, the developer. Of course, this game comes out in uh, about a month on September 21st and is a day one Game Pass game. This game looks very good. It's just one of those games where it's like, I don't, I don't need to see any more of this. Yes, it looks very good. I will certainly play this when it comes out. But yeah, Payday 3. Then they showed another trailer for Assassin's Creed Mirage, which is, of course, a game that was recently moved up to release on October 5th. It was supposed to release later in the month. So that game, I mean, we've seen we've seen many trailers for this. We've seen a lot of this game. So no, nothing surprising. This a lot a lot of this this showcase was very much here. Are games that are coming out in the next couple of weeks to few months. And let's get a big marketing push on all these before they come out. Um, that's basically what Assassin's Creed Mirage was here showing up. Uh, next up, they showed Tekken 8. Now, this was a big one for a lot of people. Tekken 8, it got a release date of January 26, 2024, um, and will be coming to Xbox Series consoles as well as PC. So Tekken 8, um, they showed a, a new trailer for the game, and yeah, we got a release date. So I'm sure fighting fans are very happy about that. It looks like they're doing some single-player stuff that looks kind of like the new Street Fighter game where you can like run around and area and customize little chibi characters and do weird Japanese shit. So it uh, looks like they're getting on that train as well, which is probably a smart thing to do because it looks like Street Fighter 5 or 6 or whatever did very, very well. Um, all right. And then they showed Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3. Naturally, I tuned in a little bit more for this than I did for some of the other games we've already talked about, um, where they showed uh, some of the first level of the campaign in action. And they talked more about that open combat mission structure where some of the levels will be more of like a open sandbox approach the game as you will kind of structure and then some will be more the traditional more linear cinematic style call of duty levels and then the interesting thing i thought here was that they announced that on october 5th there will be a call of duty next event where they're not only going to talk more about the game but they will feature news about uh this game call of duty mobile and Warzone. so a lot of like future of call of duty news will be released on october 5th and then they also said that um the multiplayer betas for Modern Warfare 3 will start the day after that on October 6th, first on PlayStation, of course. So as has been tradition for years, thanks to PlayStation's greedy marketing deal with Activision, um, from October 6th to the 10th, people who pre-ordered the game on PlayStation will be able to play the beta from the 6th to the 10th. If you don't play the, if you don't pre-order the game, um, but you do play on PlayStation, you can play the beta from the 8th to the 10th. So you get those extra two days if you pre-order. Then there's a second weekend, which is the cross-play beta. This is where the, the measly little Xbox players can get in on the fun. So if you're on Xbox, um, you can you can play the beta from October 12th through the 16th 
if you pre-ordered the game. If you didn't pre-order the game, you can play from the 14th to the 16th. So you get those two extra days if you pre-ordered again. Um, so and, and on that second weekend where Xbox can play, that's also when um, PC players can play. And then, of course, uh, PS5 players can play there as well. So PlayStation players will get... If you pre-order the game on PlayStation, you will ostensibly get like eight days to play Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 before it comes out. Um, whereas at most, you can get four days for Xbox players because we are less important according to Activision. Uh, so there's that. Um, then they showed 20 minutes of a bunch of little anime games that are not coming to Xbox, so we don't have to talk about any of that, thank God. And then they showed a new story trailer for Lords of the Fallen, which, as a reminder, that game comes out in a few months on October 13th. Um, I still have just zero enthusiasm for anything about that game, so I won't waste your time talking about that. But if you are looking for that game, the new trailer is out. And then next, they hit us with a one-two punch that was so good. We got Sonic Superstars. Finally has a release date. I really thought this game was going to get delayed to early 2024. A little disappointed that it didn't just because there's so, so many games coming out. But nope, Sega announced, hey, the game's coming out October 17th. So it's taken the old release date that, that Alan Wake 2 had. So October 17th will be Sonic Superstars. And uh, they also showed a new gameplay trailer that shows off a co-op mode and also a four-player online free-for-all battle mode, which kind of gimmicky, but it looks kind of cute and fun, so I'll give that a go. But Sonic Superstars, really looking forward to that game this year for sure. And then next, they showed another Sonic update. Sonic Frontiers, the promised free DLC expansion, was shown off. It's called The Final Horizon, and it's coming out on September 28th. Uh, it's free DLC. It comes with new story content, new playable characters, and new challenges. And they showed a little cutscene for it that looked really badass. So there's that. Super excited for all the Sonic shit happening this year. Thank you, God. Thank you, Sega. Thank you, Jesus Christ. Then they showed another game that I thought looks really freaking cool called The First Descendant. This is a, um, they, call it, they refer to it as a looter shooter. And it's from Nexon, which is the Korean company that is known for like Guild Wars and, and Maple Story and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, it's a looter shooter. I think this game looks really, really badass. And there's going to be an open beta on September 19th, running through the 25th of September on Xbox consoles. And it's also coming to Xbox One as well, and also on PC via Steam. And I think this game uh, is something worth keeping an eye out for. Um, I believe it's going to be a free-to-play game, but they didn't. I, I don't think they confirmed it here. But yeah, this this game looks really badass. It's one of those like combines like guns and combat stuff with like stabs and magic and all these things. And there's a girl with a grappling hook and just like this mashup of all these different art styles. But it looks very very fun. Like the moment to moment gameplay looks wild and cool. And they got guns and stabs and swords and freaking grappling hooks. And I'm all over this game. The art style a little typical, a little bit of that like modern thing where it's like it looks like half Warframe half. Elder Scrolls, or not Elder Scrolls, but uh, um, uh, uh, Elden Ring, um, which is just like every, every game today, I swear, they just all kind of got to look like that, but even though it doesn't look like art style wise, any, like anything to write home about, the gameplay does look pretty freaking fren frenetic and frantic and fun, so I'm very much looking forward to giving this game a go, um, hopefully get to try that open beta. Next, they showed another trailer for Under Under the Waves, which is coming from Parallel Studios. This comes out on August 29th on all Xbox platforms and PC. Uh, we saw that about a year ago. I don't know. It's kind of like walking sim type narrative driven story type game. 
Um, looks interesting, but nothing that I'm very interested. I don't know. Nothing that I'm going to play, but it looks interesting just because we've seen a slowdown on these types of games. We don't get as many of them. So when we do see one, I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I liked these games. I liked Firewatch. I liked Gone Home. I liked uh, Tacoma and these kinds of games. So it's good to see a little bit more of this come back. Uh, then they showed Expeditions, a mud runner game. This is a sim driving, mud running off road game coming from Saber Interactive and uh, being published by Focus Entertainment. And it's coming out in 2024 on all Xbox platforms, including Xbox One as well as PC. And the game looks really cool, but it's like nerdy off road. This is like the Forza Motorsport of off road mudding games. And that's just. It's cool because we've never seen anything like it, but it's also incredibly niche and something that I'm sure the majority of people are not going to care about myself included, just because if you got an off-road mudding game, I want to freaking have like, I want to be like racing people in the, in the, in the desert and be like jumping over cactuses and mountains and stuff. Like I want to do crazy stuff. I don't want to, I don't want to customize my freaking aerodynamics and, and, and change the horn on my car. I want to like, I want to do crazy stuff. So looks cool. Visually like the graphics and the art style looks really good, but just uh, a little too nerdy. Next up, they showed the Crew Motor Fest, uh, which is coming out September 14th. I forgot about this game. Ubisoft game. They're going to do a free trial on the, the weekend this game comes out, which th probably doesn't say much for the pre-order numbers for this game. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I like the Crew. Like, it's it's a game that I think looks really good, but I, I'm like, I already have a Forza Horizon. I don't need this. But this game does look fun. It looks like the whole, like, like the whole uh, Watch Dogs Legion thing where it's like, if being serious doesn't work at first, just try being wacky and colorful and fun and ridiculous. And that's kind of what this looks like for the crew. Um, I thought the crew one and two, especially the first crew, did really well. I mean, obviously, if they're making a third. It must have done somewhat okay. But, yeah, I mean, that free trial on the, starting the day comes out. I feel like that's not really all that good of news for your pre-order numbers. But, um, yeah, the game looks good. It comes out in a few weeks here. And, uh, you know, if you're looking if, – if you're thinking – Forza Motorsport, a little too nerdy and sim-like for me. Maybe something like The Crew will will uh, wet your whistle. But also, Hot Wheels Unleashed 2 comes out in October, so don't forget about that. Uh, then after that, they showed Cyberpunk 2077. They showed uh, the Phantom Liberty DLC, and they also showed the 2.0 update that's coming to the base game, which basically like retools the game dramatically and makes it like super, super uh, crazy and fancy and... Um, I don't know, just like retools and it makes it smoother. I can't really tell. The Phantom Liberty DLC comes out on September 26th. That's pretty soon here. But I was really surprised by just like how different this game looks. I only played a couple hours of it and then was like, oh, I'll wait for some updates to come out before I play the game again. That was back when the game first came out. But like this this update and this expansion looks nothing like the Cyberpunk I remember playing a couple years ago a little bit. Um, it looks very, very different. So I'm curious after this update to like go back and finally play this game because I, I do want to get back to this game and play it now that it's in a really good state. But like it looks like it's a very different experience. Like I will get a very different experience on Cyberpunk playing the base game compared to what people got a few years ago. And not just because like bugs are squashed and things like that, but because like they've just retooled the game a lot. It's just very different looking. So it's very cool. The game looks good, but I just, you know, there's so much new shit happening. It's like. I can't be excited about Cyberpunk right now because I'm too busy being hyped about Starfield, a game that's new and that presumably won't be broken at launch. So, like, I don't know. Like, you, you snooze, you lose. If, if Cyberpunk had come out in a better state when it came out in 2020, like, maybe 
maybe I would be more enthusiastic about it, but I don't know. I will get to it someday. This It looks very good. It looks like they've done a really good job turning the ship around, although they should have had to do that in the first place, but nonetheless, you know, here we are. Okay, so that was Cyberpunk, and then we get to a couple more. There's not, not too much more, but um, we do have some more to get into. So after Cyberpunk, they showed um, Stormgate, which this is a game I'm very, very much looking forward to. I've been looking forward to for a while. Um, this is actually not coming to Xbox as a PC game. I just want to throw it out there. This is a new RTS game that's made by a bunch of ex, uh, um, ex-Blizzard staff that worked on like Warcraft 3 and Starcraft 2 and things like that. And it just looks awesome. It's a free-to-play, um, uh, free-to-play uh, DC strategy game and like i mean just look at look at the game for like two seconds you're like oh yeah that looks very 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 old school uh blizzard like and uh it's nice it's 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 nice to remember back in time where um blizzard made like really cool strategy games and not like these weird anime titty fantasy games about whatever the hell overwatch is about so miss that stuff i'm looking forward to give this game a go whenever it finally comes out and they said they'll have more on it later this year but again it's not coming to xbox just wanted to throw it in there because they did show it and i thought it looked awesome and uh, it's kind of xbox adjacent i feel like but um then xbox won an award for the the green studio of the year award and phil spencer came out to accept it and all the freaking people in the video game industry gave themselves a pat on the back for being environmentally friendly or whatever the hell i don't know that was kind of a self-serving award uh, a little weird, but then we moved on, and they showed an ad for Xbox, and they showed an ad for Game Pass, and, uh, okay, so Xbox is sponsoring a lot of the show, so that's weird that, I just thought it was a little weird that they're like, oh, yeah, we have an award for companies that are doing the best to make the industry greener, more environmentally conscious, and they're like, and the winner is Xbox, and to accept the award is Phil Spencer, and Phil Spencer comes out, he's like, I want to thank my mom, my mom loves trees, and then he gets off stage, and then they're like, all right, now a quick uh, word from our sponsors, Xbox, who definitely didn't win the award because they paid a bunch of money to get sponsorship on this on this, uh, on this this event, on this stage at all. So, I don't know, I just thought that was a little weird. Who cares? Uh, it's all just self-serving industry insider bullshit, and we can talk about the video games because that's what actually matters. So next, they showed another trailer for Armored Core 6, which, as we just mentioned at the top of the show, comes out this Friday. Again, game looks very, very good. Uh, I'm just a little nervous about whether or not it's something that would match my taste. I would love a trial for this game. It would be very nice to play a demo. Uh, Mortal Kombat 1, they showed... I, dude, this is one I especially can't fake interest for. They showed another new trailer for Mortal Kombat 1, revealed a couple new fighters, and then this game, of course, is coming out next month on September 19th. And then, you know, Ed Boon came out and talked to Jeff Keighley, and they're like, oh, games with fighting. Are you going to show us more of that? And he's like, yeah, I'm going to show you more of that. And then that happened. Going back to Xbox stuff, they showed Aura History Untold, official, uh, an official story trailer for the game. So... Aura History Untold, you might remember this from the last Xbox event. It is that, like, grand strategy world sim, kind of like Civilization, um, that's being published by Xbox Game Studios and developed by Oxide Games. Not familiar with who they are, but Oxide Games is, is making the game. Xbox Game Studios is publishing it, but believe it or not, it's even though it's a, it's a Game Pass game, it's Xbox Game Studios published, uh, it's not coming to console, it's not coming to Xbox. It is actually only a PC title, so... That game comes out in 2024. Still doesn't look like it's for me whatsoever at all. I don't really care for these kind of civilization, revolution, big strategy type games. But uh, I do think it's cool to see Xbox throw some money and diversify a little bit like that. And I think 
these kinds of games are a good way to capture some more of that PC market. Although, you gotta stop always being so nerdy and specialized by having games like this or Age of Empires and maybe try to capture the PC market with uh, some more mainstream titles because PC players love, they love games like Starfield, which, I mean, of course, Xbox has that kind of stuff in spades these days, so I guess they're kind of covered on all fronts. Uh, speaking of uh, Diablo, they showed a Season 2 trailer for Diablo, which adds... Uh, a new character and they had a girl on stage and she talked about how she's a voice actress. And then they're like, yeah, the second season of Diablo will start on October 17th. Please, please play our game. And Rod Ferguson came out and he was there on stage and Phil Spencer got up with his little green award in hand and said, Rod, it really wasn't cool. how you left us after gears five like that to go work at Diablo. You know, I had to buy a whole, I had to buy a whole Activision blizzard just to get you back. And Rod goes, not, not now Phil. I'm on stage with this new actress who's playing in our Diablo game. He goes, Oh yeah, well I'll just go ahead and sell the rights to her, her acting to, to Ubisoft. And that'll make the Europeans really happy. And he goes, the UK, UK people, those British people, they don't consider themselves European. He goes, I don't care. I'm green. I'm green. That means I'm, I'm, I'm siding with the Irish. And then they got into a brawl and it was kind of ugly. And then, and then uh, of course, Jeff Keighley had to break it up and it was kind of embarrassing, honestly, but whatever. Executives will executiveness. They'll execute. Executives will execute. There you go. Uh, anyway, let's move on. Quantic Dream, the guys behind Heavy Rain and uh, Be Detroit Beyond Human. Or is it Beyond Human or Become Human? Become Human, I think. Anyway, uh, they announced a while back that they're getting into publishing. And they showed a trailer for a game that they are publishing called Dustborn, which is being developed by... Red Thread Games, a developer I'm assuming is new, but I'm not familiar with. I don't know. But it's a narrative-driven action-adventure game. Not like, you know, it's kind of, kind of like a Quantic Dream game, but a little more gameplay involved. And it's got like a cel-shaded artsy look to it, a little hipster look to it. And I don't know, it looks kind of interesting. It's, it looks a little generic for the games industry. The games industry is very bad at having like diverse looks. I feel like every game that's serious looks like Elden Ring, and every game that's goofy looks like people with blue and purple hair talking about like their alternative lifestyles in freaking uh, Washington or something like that. But that's fine. St the game still looks interesting. Uh, I, I love games like this. I'm, I'm a sucker for stuff like this. So I will very much probably want to give this game a go. If it has a lot of narrative stuff, has that kind of life is strange choice based um, walking sim movie video game type thing going on for it so i'll be interested in that it's about a crew of friends traveling across the, the country and i don't know i'm a sucker for that kind of slice of life sh shit so there's that that's called dustborn coming out early next year on all xbox platforms as well as pc and then they rounded out the show with of course the most important game and yes i say that even acknowledging that we talked about sonic most important game which is alan wake 2 uh, so Sam Lake came out on stage and Jeff Keighley was like, I like Alan Wake. You're making a new one. Yay. And, uh, they showed a new look at the game. They showed new gameplay. Last time we got to see that new girl character in action. That looks really cool. Um, but this time we got to see Alan, uh, in action in the gameplay, which is really cool to see, uh, because it's been so long since we've had an Alan Wake game. And, um, the game, we, we didn't talk about this last week because it happened right after the show, but the game actually got delayed a little bit. So it was supposed to launch on October 17th. They push it back to October 27th. Um, that's presumably just to kind of get out of the way of Spider-Man a little bit, um, you assume. But yeah, so th this game's been pushed back about 10 days, which is fine. Uh, but yeah, they showed off the game and it looks just so amazing. They're showing off how they're kind of bleeding together a lot of live action stuff with in-game cutscenes and how it looks so good. It's very 
Quantum Break to the next level. And I, I, I got to be honest, I think Alan Wake 2 just... I know I'm a little hyped because I just played Alan Wake for the first time this year, but I, I seriously think just based on how good this game shows every time we see a new trailer for it, I, I think Alan Wake 2 has serious potential to be the best Remedy game ever made. Like, it just it looks so good. Right now, the, the crown still goes to Quantum Break. In my opinion, I just think Quantum Break's the best. But, oh man, I think Alan Wake 2 has some serious potential. This game looks so damn good. So, very excited for it after seeing this trailer again. It reiterated to me why of all the games I'm going to get this year. Because there's a lot of games I'm going to have to chop off the list. Trying to be a little frugal throughout the rest of the year. Um, but of all the games that I just I, I cannot compromise. I have to get day one, full price, everything. Alan Wake 2 is at the very top of that list. I cannot wait to jump into this game. So, yeah, that was the last game they showed. Kind of an abrupt uh, ending, uh, honestly, but it doesn't matter. This game will probably be the game of the year. I don't think there's anything that will top Alan Wake 2. Yes, I know Starfield exists. Yes, I know you freaking nerds with the wands. You got your Harry Potter game. Yes, I'm aware that there's another Star Wars game and a Zelda game. Yes, I'm aware that you guys like Baldur's Gate 3 so much. I'm aware. Alan Wake 2 game of the year. Suck it. All right. And then also just unrelated, I just kind of threw this in there. Tencent at one point talked about they're bringing back this military game called Delta Force. I remember this name so well, but I don't remember this game. Um, it's it's uh, it's old military FPS game from a company called Nova Logic that had games between like the late '90s and mid 2000s. Um, and then I guess THQ Nordic acquired the rights to the IP, but Tencent is now uh, released a trailer for a new entry in the series, which is kind of weird. Called uh, yeah, I think it's just called delta force and uh, yeah they, they released a, a trailer for it so it's being developed at 10 cents timmy studio group and the game will be a cross-platform game for consoles pc and mobile of course because the chinese market loves mobile um yeah i mean i would be interested in checking this out because i love military fps's uh and it's 10 cents so i absolutely will not play it so fuck you 10 cents uh go 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 suck your own dick uh, i guess if you could say that i don't know but uh yeah so Delta Force looks good. I just uh, this is a particular publisher I just refuse to support, so not gonna happen. All right, even though I think Timmy Studio Group does Call of Duty Mobile, which I played a lot of, so I'm a hypocrite. And then at the end of the show, Jeff Keeler is basically like, "That's Alan Wake too. Bye guys, bye." And he said, "Oh yeah, don't forget the Game Awards is taking place on December seventh this year. So the Game Awards will will be back with more Jeff Keeley, more game announcements." Game Awards is usually, in my opinion, the best of the three events he does. Game Awards is by far the best. I'd say Summer Game Fest is uh, not as good, but still pretty solid. And then Gamescom is always the weakest. So we just passed the weakest with Gamescom, so that's good. That means the best is yet to come with the Game Awards on December 7th of this year. Looking forward to going over all that with you guys in a few months. And, um, all right, we do have one more uh, like main news story before we get into the smaller news and then the comments. Uh, but I don't know how much we can really say about this. It's just kind of like a huge end of an era, like, wow, rest in peace t type deal. Which is that VGC relays from Xbox Wire that Microsoft have announced they are officially closing the Xbox 360 store next year in 2024. In the Xbox Wire post, it was announced that the ability to buy new games, DLC, and entertainment content from the Xbox 360 store will officially end on July 29, 2024. 
This specifically refers to the ability to buy content directly through the Xbox 360 console and the ability to buy content from the Xbox 360 Marketplace website. It does not affect the ability to buy backwards compatibility Xbox 360 games in DLC on the Xbox One or the Xbox Series console storefronts, which will continue to be available. So pretty much everything you could want will still be there. You just won't be able to shop through that specific marketplace. Microsoft stresses that while the Xbox 360 store will close down July 29th, players using their Xbox 360 consoles after that date will still be able to use their previously purchased Xbox 360 games and DLC. So that's not going away, just the ability to buy new stuff. It also notes that if players have deleted any game that they have purchased, that they'll still be able to re-download it as it will be in their re-download history. Players will still be able to play these games online as long as their online servers are still supported by the publishers of the game. Uh, and they can still save their game progress to the cloud. So Xbox is still supporting Xbox 360, just not the marketplace. Microsoft points out that Microsoft Movies and TV app will no longer work on Xbox 360 on that same date, meaning movies and TV shows purchased through the service will no longer be viewable on Xbox 360 consoles. But again, you can view this content on your Xbox One or newer. And these movies and TV shows will still be part of the user's library. Um, so also you can use it on PC. Uh, while many hundreds of Xbox 360 games are backwards compatible and will still be available on Xbox One and series consoles, the closure will mean that some digital-only Xbox 360 games that were never made backwards compatible, compatible will essentially disappear forever. So I'm going to have to look out for someone who makes a comprehensive list of what all those games are because I'm going to want to look through it and see if there's any I want to buy. But yeah, this is... This is sad. This is mostly just kind of like a, an inevitability, right? Like like PlayStation's been looking to do this with PS3 and Vita for a long time. And then Xbox was like, hey, we're not doing that right now. But we all knew it was coming eventually. And here we go. So they're giving us a, about a full year's notice, which I think is about, a, about as good as you could hope for them to kind of handle that communication. It's not like their tongue is like two months beforehand or something like that. But... Yeah, I mean, this is obviously sad, right? We all remember the Xbox 360, the best generation Xbox ever had in terms of being relevant, popular, and competitive, and having just a killer library. And um, yeah, I mean, this is a huge aspect of that ecosystem just going offline for good. And right, so while you can expect, like, sure, Dead Space and Halo 3 and all these games, like, it's not like you can't play them anymore because you can still buy them and play them on your Xbox Series console or your Xbox One. Um, you know, if there's a game like, I don't know, for example, I, I don't think this is one of them because I think this was remade, but like Shadow Complex, right, which was an Xbox Live Arcade game. Let's say that that wasn't available on Xbox three, Xbox One or Xbox Series X, right? Explosion Man or something like that, right? Super Meat Boy. Let's see these games weren't ever made available on later consoles. You wouldn't be able to go back and then, and then buy these games um, on your 360. They'd just be basically gone forever. So with the exception of those games... Everything else will be preserved and saved, so that's the good news. But it is always disappointing and concerning when you learn of games that are basically just going to be erased from history. And that's why it would be really nice if Xbox made an effort to try and bring these games forward um, via backwards compatibility before this service goes online, before this marketplace goes offline completely. This is mostly pretty par for the course. I know Nintendo recently shut down like the Wii U shop channel and all these things and all that stuff, but... um. I don't know, this one hits close to home because, I mean, Xbox 360 was just such a important seminal point in time in the Xbox's brand's history. So, for rest in peace, Xbox Marketplace, thank you for all the Rock Band DLC and Sonic Unleashed DLC you sold us. Thank you for the horse armor, of course, for Oblivion and uh, all the rest, and we will miss you. So, rest well. And uh, with that said, you guys... 
think it's time to round out the podcast with a couple of uh, important enough news stories. Stories important enough to make the podcast, but not necessarily important enough to warrant their own discussion. We only have about, I don't know, four or five here, so let's just blast through them real fast. Microsoft has also officially announced that they will no longer produce any more Kinect hardware units. Now, you might be asking yourself, Jesse, Kinect, wasn't that taken off Xbox like a decade ago almost? Well, yes, but what they're really saying here is that Kinect hardware has been produced by X, by Microsoft for, as part of their mixed reality initiative for quite some time as the Azure Connect, and that is going away. So the technology that, that's going away so that other third parties can do their own kind of products if they want to sell those, but Microsoft's getting out of it altogether. So this isn't technically Xbox-related, it's just Microsoft-related, but because this is the last remnant of the of the Connect technology going away, I just thought it was worth mentioning here. So again, for the millionth time, rest in peace, Connect. You were actually a lot better than people gave you credit for, especially that second version of Connect that came with the Xbox One. It was actually damn good. I genuinely really liked that OG day one Xbox One experience. I thought it was a very, very cool platform. And it's, it's too bad that they had to walk all that back because I, I would have liked to have seen that stay. Uh, next up, veteran Call of Duty designer David uh, Vonderbar, Von, sorry Vonderar, um, who's best known uh, as a as as one of the main creators of the Black Ops series, has left Activision after 18 years with the company. In his role as director at Treyarch, uh, Vonderhaar has worked on a total of eight Call of Duty games, starting with the original game back in 03. However, uh, he was best known for his roles on the Black Ops franchise, for which he led development on various campaigns, multiplayer, and systems. Announcing his departure on Friday, Vonderhaar said that he'll be moving to another undisclosed role in the game's industry. Next up, Microsoft have announced that a number of new Forza Motorsport details to coincide with the start of Gamescom. Uh, in a blog post on Xbox Wire, they noted that Forza Motorsports creative director Chris Isaki said that Turn 10 Studios is committed to delivering ongoing content monthly after the game launches. Uh, he revealed that the Nuremberg GP circuit will be available in the game when it's released. And he said that the Nordschliff, Nordschliff track will be coming in the spring of 2024. Both tracks have been completely rebuilt from the ground up for Series X, S, and PC, said Isaki. And then finally... Sega has officially completed their acquisition of Angry Birds developer Rovio Entertainment. In April, Sega's Sammy Holding announced that they were offering to acquire Rovio for a total of $776 million, and today the deal is officially inked, done, and they posted a picture welcoming Rovio to the Sega family with Sonic, Knuckles, and Tails next to the three Angry Birds characters, which made me vomit in my mouth three times at work, and it was terrifying. That's going to do it for all of our news, you guys. This week, we are done with the news. The news is over. No more news. News is bye-bye. So, with that said, there's only one thing left to do. Let's round out the show with our favorite segment. The comments, the shout-outs, the questions. You know how it works. You head on over to YouTube.com slash Xbox on podcast. That's at Xbox on podcast at YouTube.com. Can't speak English anymore. And you click on the latest episode of the podcast. You even subscribe while you're there. If you're feeling a little ballsy, you hit the subscribe button. You help me out a great deal. We're almost at 1,100 subscribers. Can you believe it? Oh, my God. I'm going to be famous soon. They're going to make a movie about me, maybe. Maybe if I like uh, commandeer a bus and drive a bunch of children off a bridge, maybe they'll make a movie about me. But that's unrelated to my YouTube subscriber count. So, anyway, you click on the latest episode of the podcast. Hit thumbs up while you're there. Why not? And you leave a comment. You can say something mean like, Jesse, you're dumb. Gamescom is awesome. And the reason why the CMA didn't approve the deal the first time around is because you're too dumb to appreciate English breakfast. It's really cool to eat blood pudding and beans for breakfast and you're just dumb for not appreciating that or you can say something really nice like jesse the british are really dumb for eating beans and blood pudding for breakfast and 
I don't know why they think English muffins are a real thing. Is that is that like a New England North American thing, or is that like an English thing, like a English muffin? Because honestly, English muffins are not good. I'd rather have regular muffins or a bagel. Bagels, in fact, are way better. Shout out to uh, bagels because take them over English muffins any day of the week. Anyway, we didn't get any comments about English muffins, so what we're gonna have to settle for or are the six comments that we did get. Uh, starting out with a new comment from HDW zero, uh, HDWO, who wrote in and says, Hi, uh, into, in, into you, HDWO, I would say hi back. Timothy Racer wrote in and says, Pepsi is the Xbox of sodas, in my opinion. I think that makes perfect sense. Distant second, better than the one in first place. People don't appreciate it as much as they should, but that doesn't mean it's not good. Very much, Pepsi is the Xbox of soda. I agree. Temple Knight 3747 is written in. Welcome back, Temple Knight. Good to see you. He says, So, Jesse, I hate to burst your bubble, but Aldi in the U.S. and Trader Joe's are not owned are not owned by the same Aldi, or those are, those are different Aldis. Aldi Sud and Aldi Nord. Look it up, Mike Drop. Uh, I actually didn't look it up. I meant to look this up, and I didn't. So, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to take your word for it and say, apparently... These are different brands. Maybe these are are they subsidiaries? Are they are they are they just different? Did the two companies split up and share the name? What's the story behind this? Someone at the company man on YouTube and get him to make a video on this because I'd love to know what what the story is because this is new information to me. Temple Knight, thank you for shattering my world and making me hate myself. So, guess I'll go cry. Um, but before I do that, Mike Clark wrote in and says. How is it 2023 and you've never seen Alien or Texas Chainsaw Massacre? You need a movie night. Um, yeah, real simple. Uh, it's, so, yeah, it is 2023. And the reason why or the the reason how the, the way in which I've been able to not watch either Alien or Texas Chainsaw Massacre is quite simple. What I've done is I've simply not watched the movie. I've, I've not purchased or, or, or streamed or anything with this movie. I've not engaged with it. Uh, it's very easy to do. I, I don't. In fact, Mike, you're scaring me a little bit because it. I, I don't think you understand how insanely easy it is to not watch a movie. All you have to do is just not engage. Like I, I we we, how 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 hard would it be to to not accidentally fall on a needle and and, and get uh, and get freaking HIV or something? I don't I don't know, man. Like it's it's pretty easy to just not do something. I mean, I'm being. I'm being lazy. I'm being lethargic. Dude, I know what Alien is because the great movie ride at Disney's MGM Studios used to have a scene with Alien in it, and then they got rid of it and replaced it with a new Mickey Mouse ride that's really not as good as people say it is, but it's also not terrible. It's it's just fine. It's okay. And uh, that's that's my relationship to Alien. And then Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I ain't even been to Texas, okay? Let alone why would I want to see these uh, massacre chainsaws. So... I played the game. Is that not enough for you, Mike Clark? Please and thank you. Understand and respect me. And most importantly, have a great week. Thank you for hanging in. All right, we got two more comments, and these are the wordy ones. Starting with, of course, Sam Frito, one of the great minds of our time, who says, Okay, Oppenheimer. The F-bomb count was way off. Okay, you know, okay Oppenheimer. The F-bomb count was way off. Haha, <laughs> funny. I mean, six total is like you're teaching preschoolers how to drive. And 29, your, your norm is like I stepped on a Lego, and now I'm going to turn into a, a lycanthrope. You can't cut it down that drastically. Fuck, first Major Nelson, who never swore, quits, and now you promise to swear less? We have a souvenir shop with naked pictures of dolphins and turtles and a governor who burns books. Jesse, 10 or more minimum, or they're going to raise soda prices even more. Great podcast, all the same. 
another beautifully worded uh, comment from the wonderful Sam Frito, who, by the way, is the heir to the Frito Lay fortune. So when this man dies, uh, he will his family will inherit many dollars from Frito Lay. That includes Lay's. That includes um, that's, well, that's Dorito and Cheetos and all that stuff, right? So I mean, Tostinos. I mean, this, this man, this man's loaded, man. He's the heir to the to the Frito Lay fortune. I mean, he's got the. I think the Frito Lay company is the one that was like caught a few years ago for like the the slave labor thing going on in the terrible working conditions. But hey, man, anything to make a buck, I respect it. And uh, yeah, shout out to Major Nelson. May he rest in peace, even though he's not dead. And yes, that is true. We uh, we we do have. Naked dolphins and turtles in our in our gift shops. Uh, I guess, maybe, I don't know. My my brain's melted. I'm sorry. I'm I'm not trying to be unenthusiastic. I'm just. I'm, I think I'm. I think I'm. I think I'm falling asleep and having a stroke at the same time. Uh. Anyway, speaking of strokes, Afcans wrote in A F C A N S Afcans F five nine nine six wrote in. This is the fir- first time writing. Welcome, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you for writing in. All right, let's get into this because it's long. It's a doozy. You said, this new strike system, referring to the strike system that Xbox implemented that we talked about last week, where you can get banned after eight strikes. The new strike system is just as flawed as the one from the past. Sooner or later, all these attempts to protect snowflakes is going to backfire on their business. I suspect gaming soon will suffer the same consequences that comics and cinema have been going through, especially with all these ideological-driven whack jobs who pose as community managers. To the extent I can't wait for them, and other platforms, because it isn't only an Xbox issue, to either be sued or come under fire by pro-consumer advocate groups for be- for blocking people to get access, uh, bought products just because somebody said a few bad words, quote-unquote bad words. As usual, they, are used in, uh, they use general terms so they can keep things liquid. And if no corporate policies don't... And no, corporate policies do not trump laws. So if going if it's going to be interesting... So it's going to be interesting, especially over here in Europe, where customers enjoy more protection than, for example, in the U.S., because legally, in most developed nations, you can't just take something that is paid for away from the so-called offensive. It um, isn't criminal by law. Living in Europe, I'm not afraid of the EU, but I'm glad they are starting to look into these things. I got to be completely honest. I First of all, I can't speak on anything European law. I mean, you hear me talking about the freaking CMA. I clearly sound like an absolute buffoon. So can't speak to that. But I'm pretty sure that Xbox, at least here in the States, Xbox has every legal right to kick you from their from their platform or ban you if they don't like your code. Of, if, if you... If you uh, break their code of conduct, code of conduct which includes things like hate speech and and, and certain language towards, towards certain groups of people and certain t- types of behavior and in, 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 in gameplay styles like cheating and things like that, so I'm pretty sure Xbox has every legal right to ban people from their platform if they don't like the way they're handling it. Listen, man, I want to say with all due respect, and I don't mean to assume exactly where you're coming from because. You know, I don't I don't know everything based on just this comment alone, but I do got to be honest. I think a lot of times people conflate like the the like the current modern rhetoric around like anything social. It's just so dumbfounding to me, like the way we talk about it, because I feel like again, I don't mean to put words in your mouth. Feel free to respond and defend yourself or call me out or tell me I was wrong or I misinterpreted the whole thing. Um, cause I don't want to mischaracterize you and I don't want to p- paint you a certain way, but this, 
your comment comes off teetering a little bit on the edge of like the it's all these ideologically woke people kind of thing like that, like that kind of attitude. And again, not to insinuate that's what you mean to say. I could be misinterpreting, but I, I feel like we have reached this toxic point where like we can't just have a normal conversation about things that we would have otherwise been able to talk about or things we would have been concerned about 10, 15 or no, not even like five, 10 years ago that nowadays are so influenced by very recent events and very recent quote unquote political happenings that it's just like, we're, I don't know. It's like, there's just so much stigma and preconceived notion about the motives and directives behind certain things that people do or don't do or new initiatives that are enacted at the end of the day. And that's like so much vague nonsense, but here's what I'm saying at the end of the day, Microsoft has every incentive to enact a code of conduct and a way, a system for reporting and weeding out bad behavior on their platform, not because they're trying to protect quote unquote snowflakes or, you know, because anything like that, but because at the end of the day, Xbox will make Xbox more money, will make Microsoft more money if they can drive user engagement. A great way to drive user engagement is to make, create an environment where people feel comfortable popping on a headset and talking with randoms because playing call of duty with a bunch of randoms and having a good time being like, Oh, I, I, I kicked your ass. Oh, oh, Hey man, check this out. Whatever. Like making friends, communicating, com- camaraderizing. If that's even a way to say camaraderie with, with strangers online is a really good way to drive engagement, make people feel welcomed in a, in the, in a social ecosystem and to help people make friends and, and, and feel more aligned and in at home on a certain platform. And, Microsoft slash Xbox have every financial incentive to try and facilitate and build out that system. And so this goes all the way back to the OG Xbox days when Xbox Live first came out in 2004, okay? Where it's all about creating that kind of ecosystem and and because if people feel like they can put on a headset and talk to strangers or engage on on, in this social space without being offended or, or, or just totally shit on or bullied or anything like that, then you might create a place where more and more people start to engage with this voice chat feature. And that might make more people come back to these games and spend more time on the Xbox ecosystem and in turn buy more games and spend more time playing these games and therefore generate more revenue for Xbox. This is just how you build an engaged and loyal ecosystem of players. And that's where this all comes from. And you don't want to lose a player because some guy can't get on fucking line without everyone making fun of him because he's going through puberty and this kid sounds like a little girl and everyone's like, you sound like a little pussy, you stupid little bitch. I'm going to go over to your house and fuck your mom. And it's like, okay, that's not, you know, that's not like a 12 year old boy being a snowflake by being like, I don't, I don't like this game anymore and, and hopping off call of duty because some 45 year old smoking pot in his basement told a 12 year old boy he was going to go fuck his mom. Like that's not, that's not like snowflake behavior. That's like, yeah, we gotta. We want to work on building an environment where we don't have that happening. So, twelve-year-old Jimmy feels comfortable hopping on Modern Warfare Two and talking to strangers because, at the end of the day, we want people engaging in our our ecosystem. So, to my understanding, Xbox has every legal right to be like, "Hey, we, we're getting a lot of reports from you. We're getting people are sending clips of you using this kind of rhetoric and, and doing these kinds of things." Like that's two strikes or that's three strikes or that's, you know, whatever it is, like you're out, you're suspended temporarily. We're cutting off your account altogether. They have every legal right to do that. 
I'm almost 100% sure. And I mean, that's it's just you agree to a code of conduct when you sign up for an Xbox account. I almost said Xbox Live, but rest in peace. Uh, when you sign up for an Xbox Network user ID, uh, you sign you sign up and agree to those terms and conditions. So I mean, I, I, I'm pretty sure they're operating within their their right. I'm not saying I personally love and defend it. I'm just saying I get where they're coming from. Like these these are these are issues that Microsoft has been tackling and trying to work on since the original Xbox days, since the Xbox 360 days. This isn't like some new like kids are so sensitive today. Everyone's so soft. You can't you can't drop a casual n bomb like you used to be able to. It's not like that kind of shit. It's like it's like I mean we're just you know we're like looking out for people so that they don't feel. They, I mean, dude, like if, come on, man. Like I play so much Call of Duty. First of all, when I hop on a new Call of Duty every year, first thing I do is go into the settings, turn off lobby chat all the time. So I never hear anyone talking ever. But if I didn't, which because this is only something I've been doing in recent years, like even as recent as like, I don't know, freaking like Black Ops 4, you'd still like pop in a lobby from time to time and just hear shit like, oh, you're a girl. Are, are you hot? Are you single? Like that kind of shit where it's just like. People get people get straight up harassed. And and listen, man, if if those weren't people on the other end of the spectrum, on the other side of the conversation, I'd agree that this shit's funny. It's it's funny to watch these videos on YouTube and be emotionally detached from the people that are affected by these conversations and just be like, God, the things people say online, the, the comfort that people have hiding behind a microphone halfway across the country, just shit talking one another. Like, it's funny as hell. It's fun to go online and watch that shit, but I mean, as a human being who has empathy and cares about, you know, your fellow man and doesn't want someone to feel like vic- like like bullied or, or just mistreated by their, their, their fellow human, like, you, you don't want the little kid being told that, you know, someone's going to come over to their house in the middle of the night and fuck their mom because they're a little bitch and they suck at Call of Duty and they sound like a little girl. And you don't, you don't want some guy being thrown racial slurs because, because someone's like, oh, you're black? Okay, here's a billion curse words and you don't you don't want like the one girl who's brave enough to put on a goddamn headset in a call of duty lobby to just be like you know like catcalled and and, and just like hit on by all these fucking random dudes in a in a waiting lobby like that's it's it's not a really comfortable and fun environment and ultimately that's not that's not good for driving user engagement now it is good for youtube it definitely drives user engagement for all those youtube compilations of xbox live party chats and or uh, uh lobby chats and stuff for sure but you know I, I don't really think this is like protecting snowflakes i think this is just trying to you know for for pr and marketing purposes you put it as like we're concerned about protecting our consumers and making sure it's a great environment for people to play games it's because yeah because you want to you want to sell your freaking product and make your consumers think that you care about them that's what all that is but at the end of the day this is just microsoft trying to protect themselves and make their environment their their ecosystem one where people feel welcome and want to come engage because otherwise what's the fucking point of xbox live if no one feels comfortable going there to play so i don't know man i i I just I don't know. At the end of the day, and and also if you get kicked from Xbox Live, I, that's a that's a curious question. I don't know. Like if you get kicked off Xbox Live, like permanently, like banned, I don't know. Would you still be able to buy games from the marketplace and play games offline, or would that just prevent you from accessing all online services, or is that, or is that just playing games online? I'm actually very curious how that works. Maybe you know what I'll do. Maybe I'll make a spam account and go yell at some kids and see if I can test this theory. No, um, but listen, like I said, if you have, if you feel like I misinterpreted or mischaracterized you, please, by all means, feel free to write in and let me know. I don't, you know, 
I don't know. I, I got the, the reading level of a third grader, so clearly I could have just misinterpreted everything you're saying. But listen, shout shout. Listen, I don't. I'm not. How many times am I going to say listen before I make a point? I'm not here to shit on Europe. Europe's cool, but as long as you're not from the UK, then I respect you as a human being because that means you have rights. You uh, you 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 matter as a human being. You have uh, thoughts and opinions that deserve to be heard, considered, and respected. And I don't know what I'm saying. I just guess I was looking for an excuse to make fun of British people one last time before we wrap up the show. But if you look at the time, that's it. That's it. That's all she wrote. Gamescom in the bag, although technically Gamescom is all week. But, you know, the the big, exciting, consumer-facing stuff that we're all going to care about as people who are not at the game show, uh, you you know, it happened. And uh, Ubisoft is going to have licensing rights for Call of Duty because for when it comes to cloud streaming because... um, Oh, there we go. Another excuse to make fun of the Brits because uh, because English people exist and they call their they call their pants trousers. That's that's why. That's why. Because you call your pants trousers. This is why I don't trust anyone who calls their pants trousers. Is because now Ubisoft has the licensing rights. This is they're gonna they're gonna Spider Man this. They're gonna do what Sony did. They're gonna do what Sony did. Microsoft's gonna be like, oh, we can't. Uh, we don't really want to make this game series in ten years because cloud streaming is so is so popular and Ubisoft is just gonna make the game only available for Ouya and we don't want to do that. And um, this is what happens, dude. They're going to freaking Sony the hell out of it. And then we're going to have to do Avengers without Spider-Man again. It's going to be all over again. The same problem as before, all because a couple men with, with rough, with ruffled hair and bad teeth. Can't call them pants. They call them trousers. They're called pants, dude. SpongeBob calls them pants. You can too. Anyway, thank you for listening. Have a great week. Everyone, stay uh, stay safe. Take care. Be well. Eat delicious food. Twelve ninety nine bottomless, boneless wings. Applebee's. That's all I'm saying. It comes with fries and ranch. You can get blue cheese if you're into that kind of thing. I like blue cheese. No disrespect. But yeah. Until next week. Have a great day. Be well. Please, for the love of God, support your local Sega by by pre-ordering Sonic Superstars. And until next week, power your dreams. Power your dreams. 